Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, April 16th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say, Harumph. Mr. Bob Ryer. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. And <laughs> returning, Miss Stephanie Cook. Hi, hi, hi. All right. <laughs> We're all back together. Yesterday was tax day. Ew. We celebrate. Aww. Well, not for you, right, Stephanie? Well, is it the same day always, in Canada? I always forget about taxes, <laughs> and then, like, I forgot to do last year. So, mm. whoopsies! They frown upon that. Well, they yeah. don't really frown upon it if they owe you money. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Just like, ha, whatever. Mm. And then, but if you owe them money, it's kind of just one of those things where it's like, well, now you owe us interest. Yeah, yeah. Is it so only coincidence that it's the day that Lincoln got shot and the Titanic sank? I don't think so. I don't and think my it's mom's birthday. Look at that. Happy <laughs> birthday to your mom. Tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Happy April 15th. Um, yeah. So, but apparently, a little fun fact about taxes this year, because of all the budget cuts and stuff at the IRS, there is like basically no chance of people getting audited this year because hey. they don't have people to do it. <laughs> so I'm in the clear then. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the last uh your last word steve nice that letter's gonna come in the mail remember me certified letter from the irs remember yeah, me. they as are listening yeah they are listening <laughs> they listen to everything um no they don't have the time to listen to everything <laughs> yeah. um also a little perfect service announcement change apparently like all of your passwords because there was some like huge um thing that like there was a, a heart hole bleed. found heart bleed it's like this hole in the open ssl security code what? that like Almost every website uses to run their security. They found a, a, a like um, a hole in it, and apparently it's been there for like two years. Oh sh! Yeah. Uh. So they like people like people are telling them to change your passwords, but it won't even matter if you change your passwords until the selected companies right. fix the hole. So Yahoo this, is one of those companies. Oh man! Yeah. This distresses me. Yeah. I've had like the same password circa like since 1999. <laughs> I don't want to have to change it. My memory isn't so good. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, changed yeah. a couple, but I was told by a friend of mine who's an IT guy for a bank, it's the, just what you're saying. If the site you're dealing with, if you're going to your mail, yeah, and they haven't fixed it, yeah, it's just gonna get hacked again anyway. Yeah, so he you know, he hasn't changed any of his own passwords. Mm. Hmm. So uh, it's a panic. Yeah, it there, is. there are actually tests online that you can download things that supposedly will tell you what you're going to mm. has been hacked. But I've also heard those have been hacked. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to download something that's going to mm. hack into your computer. Thank you very much. Mm. Well, what stinks about passwords is that you don't even know that you got hacked until someone else tells you. Yeah, I know. So, you know, oh, did you send me this? No, I didn't. And then you find out that you, you <laughs> sent something out to everyone you know and you yeah. got to publicly apologize. Ugh, like on Twitter, 
my Twitter got hacked a while ago and like my, you know, you know, it sends like DMs, right? That's why DMs like Twitter yeah. uh, disabled links, but yeah, in DMs, but you know, like mine sent a, nobody ever responds to it other than, you know, you've been hacked, but Yannick Paquette, I accidentally sent a message to him and it was like, lose 15 pounds. <laughs> and he was like, are you saying I'm fat? <laughs> and like, he had like this whole banter with me, like based on like this spam that happened. <laughs> it was great. Now, my email was hacked about six months ago. And I only knew because for some reason I went to look at my sent mail, mm-hmm. which I do here and there just mm-hmm. to, to see what's going on. And that morning there were 47 mails sent within oh, wow. like eight seconds. Wait, <laughs> whoa, time out. Yeah. That wasn't me. That's no it's good. bad enough I get all that Cialis stuff in the inbox. <laughs> and it goes to the spam or whatever. Yeah. Not that it's going out, too. It's like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's rough. So I got, I, I got a message from, I think, Tumblr that was like, change your password. <laughs> so they, they, I think they fixed the, the breach as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Yahoo has as well. But if you guys, yeah, I would look it up and check out, see what you guys have that it, that it might be affected so you guys know um, what the deal with that is. I, I have no idea if it affects WordPress at all. Because I haven't got any, but I don't think so. Because they weren't mentioned in the, in the in the thing. But I don't, and we don't start anybody's credit card information, so I'm not no. terribly worried. <laughs> they're gonna steal um, your I, ability to comment on yeah. things. They're gonna change Don't my gravatar. IRS is gonna come into the forums and yeah. screw everything up. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna change my gravatar. I just fixed it. <laughs> um, the amount of emails that I got for a while that were like, "Can you change my avatar, please?" And I was like, no. <laughs> Mine was like Bill and Ted for like the longest time for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I didn't make it that way, but for some reason it was Bill and Ted. It was a meme of Bill and Ted. Yeah. There was a lot of weird ones out there. My favorite was Carolyn's. Yeah. Hers, hers when you get her, me or her, it's Oracle, mm-hmm. the, the, the green glowing mm-hmm. mask face. Yeah. And she checked into our site to comment and her gravatar was about an 80 year old old man with a beard. <laughs> 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 Nice. Amazing. Like, I can't fix that. There's not much nope. we can do. Nope. But we're changing it back. This sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Stephanie and I got to the bottom when we changed the sites. That was like one of the first things we went we fixed. I know. It was like, what can we do to improve the new site? Yeah. Fix the avatars. So we did. We did. Um all right. So yeah, so we're gonna be doing some books of the week and then we're gonna be doing um <clears throat> some uh listener questions the bulk of our show is gonna be listener questions Mm. this week we have a big backlog of questions to get through so we'll be running through those um before we get into books of the week though i do want to i have a small a small rant a small rant oh um here we go i don't know about this uh so this has nothing to do with what happened this weekend as far as spoilers on the internet goes because which steve was badly affected by yeah the evil the evil stephen king (laughs) Yeah, spoiled I'd, Game of Thrones for Steve. I'd been spoiled <laughs> twice. Uh, I am do, I'm doing the the whole social media blackout. Yeah. Uh, Sunday evenings until whenever yeah. I watch Game of Thrones because this was what a hell of a thing. Yeah. What a hell of a thing to <laughs> of all of all the things that you yeah. could have spoiled that you choose this. So that cropped up, and then there was this whole. There's always two camps whenever a big spoiler happens, right? There's the camp that's like, you know, this is horrible. You shouldn't do this. And there's the camp of the people who do spoil things. Who like kind of feel embarrassed about it, but like most people, when they feel embarrassed, they they go back with vile, which is like, well, if you don't want to get spoiled, stay off the internet, you know. Read the book. <laughs> so those people who want to ruin an experience for you, I never trump the people who just want to have a good experience. But I didn't get spoiled, so I didn't have that personal experience. However, um, there was a bit of news that broke in the comic book world this week uh, about the fate of Dick Grayson in Forever Evil. Um, it came 
whether via press release of announcement of a new book, um, which which completely undermines a year of a of 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 the question of what was going to happen to Grayson before the last book and Forever Evil ever comes out. We now know what is going to happen to him and where he's going to be. I have missed this. Yeah, so you won't you won't be able to miss it until. May, I guess, is when Forever Evil number seven is coming out, what? Uh, or whatever. But and it's not so much. This is not really against DC because Marvel does the same exact thing. They announced Amazing Spider-Man number one, The Return of Peter Parker, mm-hmm. before we ever knew that Otto was was on the outs, and it it just makes me incredibly angry that these companies, these big companies. They forsake the people who spend their time and money, who keep them going. Um, with, with these books for two minutes of mainstream media press coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've seen it continuously at Marvel when they relaunch books. I mean, it happened with the Peter Parker thing. It happened with Damian Wayne. It happened with Dick Grayson. And it makes it really tough to invest in big moments in these companies because not not it's not even like the spoiler comes out the week the book is going to come out because it's gotten out and people are going to see it yeah. to see the, 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 the press side or the, you know, the public relations side, we have a plan. We were going to announce the, this new book on this day. It doesn't matter that forever real got delayed and no one knows what's going to happen. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to announce it. And it just really, it really bothered me. I'm not talking about the content of the book. I'm actually excited. Only the fact that Tim Seeley is writing it. Um, and Mikkel Janin, who did the art on Justice League Dark, is doing the art. Who's a great artist. Like those, two, that creative team sounds awesome to me. Hmm. But the fact that we get, they get spoiled on a huge year-long, the most important story at that company, that's all. That story gets spoiled because they want to announce a new book and get a, uh, and get some get some print press. Really, really bothers me. Yeah. Now there's the the solicitation idea. You've got to wait out three months and all. Right. Not everyone reads previews. Yeah. If you just left it in previews, mm-hmm. the stores would have gotten, and those 3% of the people who actually listen to us when they said go through previews and pre-order yeah. would see it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. everyone else would be, wow, what a nice surprise that is. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. But it's actually spoiled in this week, last week's Bad Girl. Which I heard about that I, too. Yeah. I'm not like justifying anything that they you know are doing, because I, I definitely hate it as well. But I think it's... Um, part of an epidemic which stems from uh pardon my french shitty journalism Mm -hmm. because you know stories like sites like bleeding cool while they do put out cool articles and awesome stuff occasionally you know their journalists are mediocre at best and to call them journalists is actually you know (laughs) like a bit of a well a stretch Mm -hmm. because they just report on rumors and they catch wind of something and write up an article with no sources yeah. and they spoil it. And I think part of the problem is these big companies trying to get ahead of ruiners. Mm-hmm. So it, they're, they're, neither one is right, obviously, like Bleeding Cool for posting like rumors and all that stuff. I mean, they're obviously just trying to get like site traffic right. and all that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. And, you know... DC and Marvel aren't making it better by combating this with, you know, throwing stuff in big media. We can avoid bleeding cool, but if you put it everywhere, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, absolutely, and that and that's the thing. Like, bleeding cool has a, a story that they rumored that they very much believe. It's still, as far as we know, in in terms of facts, a rumor. Exactly. Even if it turns out to be true, it's something that you can at least kind of process in your brain and be like, 
if that's the case, that's the case, but it's a rumor, somebody leaked it, it's unfortunate, but that, that happens. Mm-hmm. When the company themselves come out and go, no, this is what's going to happen. You know, you've been waiting a year to figure out what was going to happen, and, and now we're just going to tell you, because mm-hmm. who wants to read it in a book when you can read it in a press release? <laughs> it, does, it doesn't make sense to me, and I, I understand, like, you know, the, the, the pre-ordering model is what is the backbone of the business. Uh, I, I think it's a broken backbone mm-hmm. of the business. The fact that you have to divulge future stories in order to get people to buy books now, I think is a problem. Um, but I, it just, it really bothered me for some reason because I just don't like the people who defend it, mm-hmm. you know, as some sort of right. You know, it's like, obviously it's their characters. They can do whatever they want, but why go, why ruin the experience? Whether you're that company or that guy posting spoilers on the internet, why do you want to ruin the experience for the people who read the book? Well, Stephanie says, get some sites traffic, yeah. which makes mm-hmm. them very, very it's happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, for years mean, ago, oh, go ahead, Steph. No, no, I was just elaborating on that, but it's mm. just, you know, it's silly. It's combating stupidness with more stupidness. Yeah. Previews, and then by stupidness, yeah. you know, yeah. words. <laughs> Previews years ago was a little different, and they would black out covers, mm-hmm. X them, and no artwork, and trust us, it's a big surprise here, and we're not going to ruin it for you. Right, right. Great, mm-hmm. uh, fine. Or maybe there should be two different previews, yeah. one for the customer and one for the store owner. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't Although, know. to be fair, store owners are often fans, too. That's why they own the stores. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's true. No, it's absolutely true. Um, and I think, you know, when we trade on what we do personally here, or if you're a store owner, there's some amount of spoilers that kind of go along with the territory because you're invested in the world deeper than someone who's probably just picking up the books uh, mm-hmm. every week. Uh, it doesn't go across the board. Obviously there are people who are, who know more about the ins and outs of the comic book industry who don't have a website or a podcast or own a store there. We have fans that are like that, but I, I think that there's a certain amount you can deal with, but stuff like this. This isn't even like, oh, I'm going to tell you behind closed doors that this is what's going on. Get get some stories ready for when Forever Evil number seven comes yeah. out because then you can break it because that's what other industries do. Like when stuff happens, they, they tell people beforehand if they want to know, they write stories, they have them ready to go, and they run them mm-hmm. when it, in, it's yep. general knowledge. Print. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> go, you know. So, yeah. And Steve's avoided this one. Yeah. Good I think I think he just looked it up on yeah, his phone. I actually I, I don't know what it is either, but yeah. I suspect. That's why I'm being vague about it, because I don't yeah. I don't want to say exactly what it is. We're not gonna have, add into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly yeah. if you haven't sought it out. Yeah, no, I did I I just looked it up on yeah. my phone. Yeah. And um, you know, all right. Yeah. It's not the central I mean, it's not the central thing um, uh, that that's gonna decide the plot of Forever Evil, but it was a major point in well, the story. As somebody who's really been enjoying yeah. that event, you know, I was concerned about what was going on because yeah. where we where we were left it was you know huge cliffhanger yeah there's a lot of things hanging in the balance oh, yeah. and then to hear that the book was delayed i know that kind of stuff happens mm. but if your book is delayed then delay your announcement yeah especially if the book is several mm-hmm. months off mm-hmm. i know you want those pre-orders but i think that there's time yeah yeah, and you I know. think it would be selling pretty well one way or the other. Absolutely. Well, it's just it's it just it goes in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. When you have a business where that relies on story, and the fans count on those stories to be good, and not have those stories spoiled for them, and in your marketing, you're spoiling your own stuff. Like you said, it undermines mm-hmm. the story itself. Yeah. yeah, which just seems ridiculous. Yeah. to me. But unfortunately, that's kind of how it works. Yeah, it's. It's a really weird situation. It is. It absolutely, it absolutely is. Um, 
It's a shame too. It's just a shame. Uh, and we talked. We had a whole podcast about this when the Damian Wayne thing happened. Mm-hmm. So guys can go back and listen to that uh, if you want. Um, and really quick, I don't want to spend too much time on news, but really quickly, good news: the Eisner nominations came out um, today, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of a lot of awesome stuff there, and a lot of ve- very deserving books. A lot of books that we also nominated for our awards. Yeah, we did pretty well. <laughs> um, Stephanie, were there any highlights for you from it? Um, I was really happy to see for best single issue that Becky Cloonan got a nomination for Demeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in that category as well, pizza is my business. Yes. Hawkeye number eleven. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, super stoked to see like High Crimes by Christopher Sabella and Ibrahim Mustafa and Rat Queens by Curtis Weeb and Rock Up Church and Best New Series. And there was two nominations, I believe, for Best Publication for Kids and Best Humor Publication of uh, The Adventures of Superhero Girl. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my last one, like, three women are nominated for Best Cover Artist. Mm-hmm. And shockingly, and, you know, sort of, you know, kind of slap in the face, Jenny Frisson isn't one of them. <laughs> she did, like, Red Sonia Revival. She's doing Loki. Mm. Um I can't think of other stuff at the moment, but like she was everywhere last year, but still Sean Murphy and Jordi Belair, Emma Rios and Fiona Staples. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the thing I came away with the most after reading these nominations is that I guess I should read Nowhere Men Yeah, because it's nominated for a lot of stuff. I didn't even like I wasn't on my radar at all. Have you actually seen that book? No. Mm-hmm. no, it is incredibly dense. Oh, really? Yeah, there are there are whole pages that read like textbook pages. Oh, wow! Like there's a lot of like files and stuff mm-hmm. that you have to. I mean, it looks awesome. I've never read it. It looks very interesting. But it's just when I picked it up to look, leaf, leaf through the trade, um, it was intimidating to look mm-hmm. at, like right. ever so I've briefly. Heard, yeah, I've heard amazing things about it. Um, and I, I know like the slogan is like "Science is the new rock and roll." Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I see it everywhere. Like at the image booth, they have T-shirts, and people are always wearing it around. Mm. And I, I know that much about it. Yeah, I, I it's definitely want Stevenson's ch- book. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. I mean, look, it's like uh, this is what this is what's great about nominations in general. Like, when, regardless of the award show you're talking about and who the actual awards go to, nominations are great because they they put a, a spotlight on people you might not otherwise mm. check out, and, that, and I think that's awesome. Oh my God! Also, go home, everyone else who isn't Jordi Belair or Matt Hollingsworth for best coloring. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you guys are awesome, but like, no. Jordi <laughs> Belair has three lines. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> for what she's worked on in the last year, and those are just like the things she was nominated for. Yeah. Like, true. go home, everyone. It's a lot. But if those two people took a vacation, no books would be colored. They'd all be black and white. <laughs> it's true. <No. laughs> Oh, and Terry Moore got nominated yeah. a couple times, yeah. too. Yeah, it's cool. I didn't realize they had a Best Writer-Artist category. That was for I think both. that's new. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's really, really cool. He got another nomination, though. I don't know. I think it was Best Letterer, maybe? Um, best Letters, Letterer. Let's use my search feature in this. Terry Moore. Oh, that's not how you spell Terry. <laughs> Bob, what were some of the send-outs to you? Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Best Lettering, yeah. Terry Moore got nominated. Best lettering was that's an interesting category as well. Darwin Cook, Terry Moore both got nominated in the best lettering category. Yeah. Uh, Bob. Well, I want to know who you know who gets to take home the award with Matt and Kelly Sue. Oh yeah, it's going to be arm wrestling at the table. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sex Criminals was nominated as well, that which was awesome to see that nominated. 
Um, yeah, we had we had three of the five writers on our list. Yeah, or, or do we have four? We had uh, Kelly Sue, Matt Fraction, and Scott, Scott Snyder, Snyder were definitely on our list. Um, not Hickman or Stevenson or Brian okay. Yeah, actually. Sorry, carry on. Actually, <laughs> actually, I was just looking at the lettering for a second, and it's kind of actually shocking considering that I think seventy-five percent of the past letterer uh, awards have gone to Todd Klein, and he isn't even nominated this year. Mm. What happened to Todd Klein? We don't know. <laughs> Something backstage. Yeah. So those uh, the winners obviously announced at San Diego Comic Con, correct? Mm-hmm. That's when yep. they when when they're announced. So we'll look forward to that as we get closer and. We we congratulate the Eisners on using many of our nominees for their nominees. Uh, so we could be yeah, like well, the Golden Globes. Yeah, we're the predictor. Unless yeah. uh, we didn't get nominated for best uh, journalism, though. So no oversight ne- next year. Obviously, oversight. But we are nominated. <laughs> yes. Yes. With what? Geeky awards. Yes. Oh, geeky oh awards. what? <laughs> a geeky award. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. It's the uh, the uh, the Oscars of the internet nerd community. Not the semi tuxedo. Mm-hmm. They're like presented by Stan Lee and. Uh, Grant Imahira from, you know, uh, Mythbusters mm-hmm. and Seth Green and, you know, all the people that are openly nerdy and famous. <laughs> That's okay. true. If we win, we get a really cool blue, I think, rocket ship trophy. Yes. Laser gun thing. <laughs> among, <laughs> among like some, you know, major publicity and mm-hmm. other very, very cool things. Yeah, absolutely. Get hooked into the pipeline, man. Yeah. <laughs> I met Grant Icon a couple of years ago. He's a nice fellow. Mythbusters, it's hard to say. Myth, Myth, but Mythbusters. Or as Oma would say, oh, kill me now, sure, why? Oh, science experiments, so stupid. What are they, five? <laughs> I miss Oma. Did you say earlier you got an email from Whiskas? Yes. What the hell is Whiskas? Apparently Whiskas like is the cat food company? A new level of crazy cat ladydom. Oh, boy. When Whiskas actually emails me about, like, promoting a contest for Ah, uh, but I own a cat that used to be owned by Iams. She has tattoos in her ears. It's awesome. Wow. Yeah, both of her ears. She's got little numbers and symbols. It's the cutest thing. Uh, no, maybe she's the Antichrist. Maybe. Of cats. <laughs> All right, so those are the Eisner nominees. Let's move on to our books of the week. We're only doing one each this week. A little crazy. It's like old times. It is like old times. Mm. It actually, it's actually a wow. book of the week. There's a lot of good stuff this week, too. There was. It was tough, but we're under a time constraint yeah. because I have to wake up very, very early. So that's behind the curtain, folks. That's why yeah. this show is going to be hopefully a little bit shorter, but whenever I say that, it's just as long as it ever is. So... I'm not going to say it's going to be a short show. It will never um, end. It will never, ever end. So, Stephanie, you've been away I for have. oh so long, or, you know, two shows. Um, tell me about Lumberjanes. This this book is awesome. I picked it up. Um, I got one of the variant covers when I was in uh, Seattle for Emerald City. And Noelle Stevenson and Grace Ellis and uh, Brooke Allen, Allen sorry, were all sitting at a table uh, beside Kate Lath, and I was seeing, I saw, I was talking to Kate, and I was like, oh, this is out? And I guess they've released it a little bit early for um, the sake of having stuff at the convention. Hmm. And so I got the uh, original designs variant cover. Um, and oh, it, it's by Kate Lath, apparently. Oh, huh. look, at <laughs> look at that, I'm learning things. Hmm. Anyways. So Lumberjanes is this great story about, um, you know, these girls. And it starts off kind of Scooby-Doo-ish. The girls are all in the woods and hanging out. Well, not really hanging out. 
<laughs> they're they're solving a mystery. And uh it it's spooky, you don't really know what's going on. It's like Scooby Doo meets Red Riding Hood. And uh from there you kind of just you meet all of these great characters. Um I'm struggling to remember everyone's name. There's like Molly and Mal and uh let's see here. Rip- Ripley. Ripley, yes. Ripley's awesome. She likes um, kittens. Pardon? She likes kittens. So of course she would say that. And she also screams a lot of things in yeah. this book. So, you know, I feel like I relate to her. See, I, th- I see you more as April, who wears a hoodie and lunges a lot. <laughs> there is a lot of lunging. Yes. You know, I honestly thought this would be, I, I thought that this book was going to be illustrated by Noelle Stevenson, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, I nominated for Nimona uh, for our awards again, speaking of, but Brooke Allen. She, her art is so great and there is lots of lunging and like ninja poses and it is like, it is great. Um, <laughs> so Joe, April, Mal, Molly, and Ripley. So the whole story, I guess, is these girls are at summer camp and they're not the Lumberjanes, which kind of is what I thought they, like, they, I thought they were like a group of gals Maybe they were lumberjacks. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't read any previews at all. Um, and the camp they're at, the summer camp they're at, is the Lumberjanes' best friends forever camp. Um, and it, it's like Girl Guides or Girl Scouts, I guess, for you Americas mm-hmm. peoples. That's awesome. Um, and it's, it's so great. It's like it's like Adventure Time meets Scooby Doo. Hmm. Um, you know, like on, on the official site, they call it, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Gravity Falls, but I don't know. I think I like Scooby-Doo versus Adventure Time here. You think you like your description better? Yeah. (laughs) I think I I do. I think. Yeah. I think I like what I said better. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? But I, I don't know. They just, they're full of silliness and fun and, you know, adventure. Mm. They they say crazy things, and and they kick stuff, <laughs> and punch stuff, and there's foxes with three eyeballs. Yeah, and were bear women. Yeah, and were bear women. When Bob said, "Bob's read this, obviously." Yes. Um, you know, and I really enjoy their catchphrase of like, "What the junk?" Yes, I'm looking at that right now. <laughs> so good, and their poor camp counselor. I realize this is just sounding like random things for people who haven't read this, but, you know, the girls, like, sneak off, and their camp counselor, like, all the other campers are, you know, normal campers who just want to, like, sleep at night and hang out during the day, and she's got, like, the one cabin of people who, like, don't want anything to do with that business. (sighs) It's good times. It's really fun. Honestly, this is probably, like, the funnest first issue of any comic I've read. Mm. So, Seventy, I mean, you mentioned the, the kind of influences on it. Uh, does it feel like a book for kids, or does it feel like kind of an all-ages type of book? It feels like an all-ages book. Um, it's, I think it's geared, it's not even necessarily strictly geared towards women. Mm. Um, you know, there's female characters, obviously it's an all-girls camp, and it's about these girls at the camp, but... You know, I don't think that it's exclusively for that. Like, it, 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 you know, they're adventuring. 
-hmm. and they're having fun and the things that they're saying aren't you know girly and silly anyone can get into this book and there's nothing really scary about it um and you know the language is all pg mm -hmm. I, would, I would even say g g <laughs> to pg depending on you know how sensitive your kids are well if they're but, sensitive to f pro fox violence yeah it could be a problem there's some fox punching and belly but kicking. They're evil foxes, if any, if that's. A well, concern. we don't know yet. Well, I feel like they're kind of evil. They're kind of I mean, evil, they but they have a message. Them and stuff. <laughs> they they do try to bite them, mm. and these these foxes have a pro prophetic warning. Yeah. <laughs> As most three eyed foxes will. Yeah. Yeah. They do. <laughs> um, but I think that this book is geared for anyone of all ages, like boys, girls, anyone. It's a lot of fun. Um, the dialogue's great. And it, I, I think that if you like Adventure Time, it, this is up your alley. It's the same sort of silliness and the same sort of, like, dialogue and uh, that sort of thing. It, it, it's very compatible to those people who enjoy it. Mm. Well, Steve, did you read Lumberjanes? I did. You're an Adventure <laughs> Time fan? I am. Do you agree with Stephanie? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> um, no. What? I, it definitely has that vibe, but it, it seems more like if uh, Cartoon Network was going to do a, a teen uh, cartoon, mm -hmm. you know, instead of doing like... Because Adventure Time's kind of gone out to such a wide audience. There's no... Kids love it. Parents can watch it with their kids. Uh, a lot of adults love it and so, and so forth. But with Lumberjanes, I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. And was, like Stephanie said, just an amalgam of all these different things that I grew up with in one book, which is really cool for the, the nostalgia factor. But it's got its own thing going on as well. The cast of characters is, is really cool. Mm. Um, I'm overjoyed to see Noelle Stevenson doing a, you know, something outside of Nimona and doing just like a, a bigger book and especially falling in with the people from Boom and, and on the Boombox label is just really cool. It spells, you know, promising things for the for the new brand that they that they have now. Mm. But yeah, no, it it's got a little bit of that Adventure Time vibe. It definitely does it in the language of it. Um, like a lot of those shows tend to come up with these these new phrasings and just these unique ways of having their characters talk. And that language it catches on very very quickly with its fan base, and you can hear people saying these things all the time. You could see, you know, half of this stuff across Twitter if you're, you know, talking to the right people and looking mm. for it. But uh, yeah, no, it's super fun. It's a really good number one first issue. And uh, it's one of those things where you really, you don't have all the pieces of what's going on yet, but you don't care because you're having too much fun. Mm -hmm. So uh, it reminds me a little bit of Faith Aaron Hicks's uh, brain camp in a way, just, you know, at a camp, weird, spooky stuff going on, a mystery to solve. Uh, and uh, I have my suspicions already about what's going on. So we'll see if... Uh, well, I mean, might. I feel like it's not going to be, you know, next lost. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bear woman smoke I would never woods. have guessed even slightly that anyone would think that. <laughs> Maybe it's well, more Twin like, Peaks. I can figure out what's going on next. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if this does really well if you see a, a, a show crop up, mm. even if it's just a web show. Right. Uh, Bob, what did you think? I absolutely loved it. I think in, you mentioned Faith Aaron Hicks. To me, this is sort of like Superhero Girl in that I think it really is all ages in that you can find 
as a grown-up, a lot to really like here by referencing the things she is for us. But it's a straightforward, if you were seven or eight years old, you could get a whole lot of just fun, lighthearted, adventure things out of this, mm-hmm. too. So, boy, there should be more books like this. And so um, credit to Boom for starring this yeah, new imprint. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say it's part of their new imprint. Yeah. Um, well, you know. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead, Stephanie. I was just going to quickly say, you know, like, as one of those kids that got shipped off to summer camp every summer for the entire summer, Mm-hmm. I can like relate to this stuff. I mean, I didn't go, you know, punching three-eyed foxes and stuff. Too bad. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you're like, summer camp, I feel ya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you never get into little red formation, huh? No. Oh. Although I wish, like, if I could time travel, I would go back and make sure that we all were prepared with that. <laughs> we all had like. The only thing we had to like a formation was we had to pick a jingle and like our attendance call for each cabin was based on a jingle and we all had one word to say and we sang a jingle and if we were missing a word in the song then we knew someone was missing. <laughs> Look at that. What was your jingle? Um, we had a, I had a couple because like I went back like a few years. Um, I think one of them we had like the Band Aid brand song. Okay. Like. I am I'm stuck, stuck on, on Band-Aid, Band. <laughs> and, but germs don't stick on me. <laughs> and the goldfish jingle, too, at one point. Favor us, please. I'm trying to think of what it was. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. Okay. All right. Um, my question about it is, uh, it's obviously very charming. <clears throat> do, do you think... For me personally, when I read books like this, and if they're in collected volumes, uh, something that's very charming is kind of enough for me. I find when I go month to month, just simple charm isn't usually enough to get me to keep wanting to buy month to month. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't give me that investment in like I need to read the next issue. It, it turns into like, oh, I find that book very charming and good, but I'm not going to pick it up because I don't feel that drive to pick it up. Do you think there's Bob? I'm asking you. Do you think there's more than just charm here? To move the book along. Well, I think we have a mystery. We okay. do have the were bear woman and mm-hmm. those three-eyed foxes and kittens. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, Steve was saying when I picked this up the other day, well, this is probably you buy one and buy the trade. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there could be that, but I am going to pick up the second issue just to try that point out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It happened to me with kind of like My Little Pony, right? Where I was like, this was really charming and funny. Yeah. But I didn't really, I didn't really, you know, care about the events. I just wanted to. <gasps> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to kind of experience that world every once in a while because I thought it was it was very clever. And I, um, and for me personally, that's what how kind of I feel about Lumberjanes a little bit already. Where it's like it's a book that I would like to revisit, but I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it month to month. I I think you know with My Little Pony, there's established characters uh, that like you're not getting a full backstory with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't read the comics. Mm. But, you know, they're established in the TV series, which is obviously very popular. Um, But with this, I think it's a little bit different because this is setting up, this is setting you up to, you know, be like charmed with the characters individually too. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not just the book itself that's charming. Each character has a very distinct personality that you're starting to already get. And I think that itself will be enough to pull people back in because you'll want to know about Ripley or you want to know about Molly. And 
I don't know. I think it, it'll be hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm tempted to say I'd probably just wait for the trade because I think this would be a lot of fun to read all in one sitting. Right. Um, I think it would be a lot better, kind of the flow of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a book that was meant to be um, episodic. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's a lot of fun. And I think it's something that, you know, should be supported. So I'm a little bit torn. Right. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's a good book. I just, and you, we won't know. We won't know till we're two or three issues in, mm-hmm. like what that vibe is going mm-hmm. to be. I just, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, to me, I, I've gotten to kind of this, it's almost like a gut reaction for me when books like this come out, where I'm like, I really want to read the first issue. And then after I read the first issue, I'm excited about it. And when the, But when the second issue comes out, I'm kind of like, oh, I can skip skip it. Like, that's kind of what happens to me. See, I'm a little on the other side of that. I know exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But having read Bandette mm-hmm. in a lump mm-hmm. and then having read one issue, what I'm left with is I want to read more immediately because I read right. it in a lump before. Yeah. So I'm sort of, ooh, mm-hmm. there's going to be more instantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the same thing I'm saying, though, in the opposite way, which is if there was a 120-page volume of Lumberjanes out right now, I probably would have read the entire thing yeah. this week, uh, but it's just the, it's like Stephanie was saying the the kind of serialization of the story. I think sometimes for certain books can be a detriment, but I still think it's a very good book and a book that people should um, support. It's funny because the art, um, looking at it, it looks like kind of like Noelle Stevenson mm-hmm. art. Uh, it's funny how kind of similar it is to her yeah. art style, even though it's not her. Uh, but uh, Brooke Allen. Uh, as the illustrator and uh, colors by Marta Laiho. Very good. And I got to say that not a, I don't talk about a lot of books, but the letterer Lettering. deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Aubrey. I had a little, gold, Ice, Ice, a little right. gold star next to that. And I just noticed something on our cover. Stephanie's is different. There's a fox on the cover that has, I don't know, water buffalo horns yes. mounted to the wall. There is. And a deer with like a third eye. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So Lumberjanes. Uh, Noel Stevenson uh, and Grace Ellis, written by, uh, illustrated by Brooke Allen, colors by Marta Laiho, and letters by Aubrey Ais. They're really awesome. Yes. Brooke Allen and Noel Stevenson drew in my cat book. Hmm. Hmm. Yay. Yay. All right. So that's Lumberjanes number one. Um, Bob. Okie dokie. Let's talk about Nightcrawler. Ooh, Nightcrawler was very good. Nightcrawler number one by Chris Claremont, art by Todd Nock. That sounds Nauk. about right. I'm not sure how to say it. We have a Chris Samney cover, which is always yes, nice. Yes, the Chris Samney cover is beautiful. <laughs> and colors by oh, where are the credits when you need the bloody <laughs> things? Uh, I'll look up the. I'll look, you the, look up the. Color. I'll look up the credits. I want to ask you. Sure. Obviously, you're a huge Chris Claremont fan. We interviewed mm-hmm. him at New York Comic Con. Um, this has got to be his first ongoing work for Marvel in a very long time. 15 years, probably. Right. Returning to a character he's obviously written a lot and knows very, mm-hmm. very well. Uh, a character who's just returned from, from the uh, the dead. What did you think of uh, Nightcrawler number one? Well, no offense to the other 47 people who are writing the X books at this point, <laughs> but this is the X-Men that I you know grew up loving. It's as if he was just dropped back in as if no time has passed whatsoever. You're getting this story told from Kurt's perspective in thought balloons and captions, mm-hmm. which is you don't see much of anymore. And he's dealing with his new situation in a way that I think is very much parallel to Chris Claremont's in that he's 
drop back into this world, as is Kurt, and the school is different, and people are, you know, Kitty's off somewhere else. Now, I've said this before on the show, before the Wolverine explosion, Nightcrawler was the big star in X-Men. He was the breakout character. People really loved him. And when you read this, you can see why. He is just utterly charming. We'll throw that word in here again. Mm -hmm. Because of what's gone on with him, he sacrificed everything Mm in his life and recently back. Mm -hmm. And now he's back in the middle of another mystery, and we get another character from his past. Not everyone may have read this. Yeah, that's fine. No, but it's okay. I mean, that's... It's Amanda Sefton, who's actually a witch, and we'll get to see her mom eventually, Margali. This is uh, we're deep into X Men history here. This is just a heck of a lot of fun. If you love old X Men, and if you would follow my recommendations on those first few issues of the Brian Wood X Men, and thought that was, this is even more like yeah. Claremont Byrne X Men. Absolutely love it. I will stick with this. The art is a whole lot of fun. We've got Banffs all over the place, mm-hmm. which is always great. And did we find who's coloring? Yes, it's a uh, Ra- uh, Rochelle Rosenberg. It's, it's incredible. The, the moods that are set throughout this, we, there's a, a panel where hitting in the background in Kurt's loft, which he's just made over, you can see the little eyes glowing in the background as mm-hmm. his little characters are around. There's some action sequences. This isn't all talking and catching back up again. Some funny stuff within the school. Great mix of humor and action. Fabulous book. Mm. Uh, what are some of your past favorite Nightcrawler moments? Oh, generally speaking, there were those, he had sort of two sorts of careers. One where he was trying to, he had an image inducer where he could make himself up to be something else. And there are these great moments of humor as he, but it's all wistful because obviously he's this blue furry Mm -hmm. thing that can't really move around in public. He's the character that most represents we're separate from humanity. So he would blipped through four or five changes. It happened a lot in Excalibur. In one panel, he's Errol Flynn, and then he's Groucho Marx and something else back and forth. But generally speaking, it's when he was doing something heroic. Mm-hmm. And his power level is not... It's an interesting power, but it's not as if he's Cyclops or Jean Grey or something. Right. And just taking up a sword to some giant monster, or is, you know, we'll find a way. Or n- knowing that he couldn't teleport where he couldn't see mm. and find a way to get things done. Anyway. He's just a lot of heart in his character always. Right. Um, Sorry, okay. Stephanie, go ahead. No, just like, you know, good Nightcrawler moments. I think out of all of the X-Men trilogy movies, mm-hmm. his moment, like in that opening scene of X2, yeah. is like the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. It's the best display of mutant powers in this yeah. in the films. Mm-hmm. And it's just like one of the coolest sequences. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was a big, a huge moment. I think in comic book movies was that was that scene because yeah. it was really one of the first times uh, you got to see a relic, like a kind of not obviously he's a, a big character, but it's not Spider Man just swinging around. It's somebody using a kind of very intense mutant power that's not something that people think of right away when they think of uh, a superhero doing something really amazing and visually very striking. And it was, that was a great, great moment. Uh, so I picked up the book and I've, I've been thinking about something in general. We are back and read some of the Inglehart stuff. Obviously I, I've come back and read some of the Claremont stuff all the way back to reading some, you know, Stan Lee stuff as well. And, you know, the, there is a earnestness about the writing that doesn't really exist anymore in kind of Marvel DC comic books, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it, it's definitely a uh, a kind of 
old era thing, which is not, I mean, it's, it's an outdated thing. It just means they don't really do it anymore. And here it's kind of filtered a little bit. It's not, obviously it's not like reading, you know, old Claremont stuff where yes. there, you can't even see the art on the page because there's so many words. It's one of the reasons the, the team split up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it does do things differently. And I think that it's its strongest suit right now because it sets it apart from all of the other X-Men books. For me personally, I was really happy when he goes from being in the school to being out of the school because it made it feel more like its own thing. Like this is a Nightcrawler book. It's not just Nightcrawler who goes on adventures with the X-Men but Mm -hmm. happens to be the lead in this book. He goes away. He's doing stuff on his own, um, interacting with people who I don't know who they were, you know, but it was still, it was cool because it made the book feel separate and special. Uh, I thought the art was beautiful. Um, It reminds me, uh, a little bit of kind of the Ed McGuinness stuff from the return of Nightcrawler oh, yeah. and Amazing X-Men. Absolutely. And that's never a bad thing, obviously, yeah. uh, when you look like Ed McGuinness. But there's a couple scenes that I really, you know, I really loved. I mean, there's this scene with the, in the rain at the beginning, which is beautiful. Um, but proceed the scene where, I mean, honestly, I haven't been reading the, 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 the Wolverine books. But the way Wolverine acts at the beginning of this book, it feels weird to me that he almost kills Nightcrawler because he gets a little pissed at him. Like, I mean, I know that that's... Like you know, wild, savage kind of Wolverine behavior, but it's not really the Wolverine that you see in a lot of the other books, at least yeah. nowadays. Well, he's in so many of them. I guess you can pick. I and guess choose. you don't it's know, like right? Cafeteria. Yeah. Exactly. It's a little strange Wolverine. considering how affected he's been by him coming back. Yeah, absolutely. Like there was a whole arc yeah. based around that. I mean, they're sparring, mm-hmm. and you know, and Nightcrawler gets one over on him and kind of you know pisses him off a little bit. But it just seems like a little bit, a little bit over the line. That was the only moment in the book that. I was kind of thrown off by. Well, think Wolverine back in the old days, mm-hmm. before he became Wolverine and the X Men, the books really mm-hmm. became that. He was always sort of a ticking time bomb, mm-hmm. and one of the charms of the character was really that he struggled to keep that in control. And then when it would happen, there was a very famous. It's one oh, oh it's so famous I can't remember the number. <laughs> it's like issue one oh seven or something where. He has to take out a guard to help them get to something in the savage land, and it's done off-panel, and you can see in the faces of Storm and Colossus that they're appalled by what he did to get to where they had to go because he's the best at what they do, but they're not really happy at what it is he's doing. Right, of course. And we've gotten so used to that that, Mm -hmm. well, he just guts people. Right, yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe not. Here, there does seem to be a consequence to that. He is angry because of his own change of condition. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we're not spoiling too much here. No, I mean, that's a, again, I always say about the show, it's like, we're not going to spoil anything when it happens or, you know, kind of for the next, like, week or two, but if something becomes the status quo of the universe, we kind of have to talk about it or we can't talk about books anymore. Yeah. You know, so Wolverine is his powers is are greatly decreased at this point mm. in the, in the continuity, so he doesn't have it. But this is my favorite. Scene, I was I was opening way. to it to yeah, talk yeah. about it. There's a scene with Rachel Gray and Nightcrawler just sitting on a couch, kind of drinking tea and talking about their lives, and that was my favorite scene in the book. I thought yeah. it was awesome. It was funny. It was charming. It felt like old friends talking with each other. It was pretty wonderful. See, now I know things have changed over the years. The to me, she's Rachel Summers. Right. Okay. Um, is she the same character she's the daughter of Scott yeah she's the same character yes because they were together in Excalibur Mm -hmm. which if people haven't read that it's been gone a very long time right Claremont Alan Davis and then Alan Davis on his own Kitty Pride, Rachel Nightcrawler Captain Britain Mm -hmm. just a very 
fun, crazy book. Lots of arcade, lots of all that sort of stuff going on. Check that one out. Cool. Cool. So that's Nightcrawler number one by Chris Claremont um, and mm-hmm. Todd Nock. Did anyone else? I know Steve, you didn't get a chance to read it. I did not. Because of a shipping mistake at our local store. Um, Stephanie, did you read Nightcrawler? I did. All right. So I don't want to skip I, over you. Oh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I mostly agree with everything you guys said. You know, Wolverine, you can't mm-hmm. tame a wild animal. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the art to me was hit and miss. I didn't love the art. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. There was moments when the faces were just weird. Like they were like, they looked like subpar anime characters. Um, the Most of the art though is awesome. It was just every now and again, it would take me out of the moment and just kind of be like staring at it. Um, <laughs> but I thought the story was great. I, I feel like there's a, I mean, there is a lot of backstory with any character at this point that isn't just a brand new character. Um, like I was a, I was really confused about a lot of stuff mm. um, that they referenced, and you know, um, sorry, Amanda, is that the woman in the uh, book? Amanda Septon, yeah. Yeah, like I have no idea, like what was going on there. Mm. Um, I mean, I got the general gist of it, and I'm sure things will get filled in, but they, they, the book felt like it picked up where something else left off. And I didn't know what that was. Right. Yeah. Um, so again, we we've, we've talked a lot lately with the, you know, Marvel now all new mm-hmm. Marvel. <laughs> it's all new coming out. Um, what makes up a good first issue and what doesn't? And while there's like obviously a lot of quality to this story, um, as far as it being a good number one, it's like half and half for me. Mm. Um, yeah. It's definitely a good setup. Like I want to read more of what's coming, but I felt like I was missing out. And not like missing out on stuff that will get unveiled, you know, in future issues. I was just straight up missing stuff. Yeah. It would probably be impossible to get you caught up on mm-hmm. the convoluted X-Men history. Right. Still, but at the same time, you know, there's books like Daredevil, like that did the number one that summed up everything that I needed to know. Mm-hmm. And made it like seamless. Yeah. You know, like I'm not saying that Chris Claremont needs to write like that. Obviously, he doesn't need any tutorials on writing. <laughs> he is who he is because mm. of, you know, the work he's done. Um, but, and I realize there's just a lot of X history to go through that, you know, you can't sum up in a book. But it would have been nice for some of the stuff that was referenced to at least have been explained somehow. Mm. No, I mean, I definitely see what you're saying. I, I definitely had moments with, especially with the relationship. I mean, I got, like I said, I, I got the gist of like what was happening. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're, they're past loves and there's something going on with them and like that. But yeah, there are definitely times where there were characters and situations where I was slightly out of sorts uh, about. Um, but as you said, Stephanie, I think that the overall quality of the writing is good enough for me to want to read more. Uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, that's Nightcrawler number one. Uh, Steve, hi Bobby. Let's let's hop away from Marvel, go a little indie again. Let's go to let's go to Image Comics. Let's do that. Let's go to. Uh, and I'm gonna perk up too. My voice is uh, <laughs> a little low today. Let's go to a uh, former former guest of the show, Joe Keating. Shutter number one. Yeah, man, he's got a he's got a hell of a book out this week. Uh, Shutter number one, written by Joe Keating, art by Lila Del Duca, colors by Owen Genie, and letters by Ed Brisson. Uh, 
this book is really cool. It's a story about Kate Christopher. She is an author of real life adventure books turned uh, photographer, and she's experiencing a bout of depression on what is now her 27th birthday. Uh, she is the daughter of an adventurer who the book starts out and you're, you're introduced to all of these wild, uh, adventure scenes and, and old pictures and find out that there's an ancestry of adventures. Her father is one, her great grandfather was one, her great grandmother was one. And just walking around their house and seeing all these pictures on the walls, you see these, you know, amazing feats done by these people that that look very otherworldly, like they could never know. We don't know yet that it doesn't take place in what our world or our reality. Uh, and she wakes up and her alarm clock is talking to her, which is bizarre. <laughs> that doesn't happen in, in our world. And uh, so she gets up grumbling and, you know, she's upset and decides to go over to the window and she swishes the curtains aside and reveals this vista this like inner city vista with all of this stuff going on there's things flying in the sky there's what looks like a like a lizard woman or a crocodile woman having a conversation with just a regular dude it looks like they're almost on a date uh she's riding the subway and there's minotaurs on the subway and little goat boys and little alien dudes and then regular people too so it almost looks like a world where people from like myth and legend and story have all kind of come together to live in, in harmony within this one world or reality. Uh, she's kind of got like a Indiana Jones, Lara Croft type vibe to her, which I dig. I think that's really cool. I like both of those characters. Uh, she's in a bit of a slump, but one of the reasons why is because uh, in the beginning of the book, we get introduced to a very very touching and loving relationship between her and her father and her father was kind of her her window into this world and i mean taking her to the moon on her seventh birthday not a lot of kids get to do mm-hmm. that you know and uh he's been gone for a while and she misses him so we are we're, we're on her birthday and she's going to spend time with her dad and uh when she goes to do that the her whole day gets screwed up mystical ninjas show up and this thing that looks like uh, TikTok from Return to Oz hmm. shows up and just turns out to blow out, blow out all the candles on her birthday cake and make it a really bad day. Uh, what I really dig about this book is I love how in just the first issue we're presented with so many possibilities for the book going forward. We don't have all the answers as to what this world is yet. We don't know if this is the norm, how long it's been this way. Is this off planet? Like if it's that easy to bring your seven-year-old to the moon, you know, what else is this world capable of doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the uh, the ancestor part of it, who are all these different people within this story? Are we going to get to see maybe their adventures or will there be say old villains from those stories and from those legends that come back uh, for Kate. Mm -hmm. We don't know. So, uh, and also, uh, I want to mention this as well. Uh, The main story is is great. The art for it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, Lila Del Duca, if I had to compare it to anything so you guys would have an idea, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a more tamed Riley Rossmo Mm kind of stuff. It looks a little bit like Drumheller, um, a little bit like Grim Leaper. 
and stuff like that. Colors are absolutely beautiful. Um, but there's a also in the back, it kind of breaks off. It gives you, you know, a nice chunk of the story and then leaves you hanging. Good old cliffhanger. But we're introduced to another story. It has no title. Mm-hmm. Did you read this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love this bottom. Mungor has arrived and he is going to fuck shit up. <laughs> and it is a giant green uh, kaiju-like monster coming into the city. And uh, the mayor calls uh, this doctor, this doctor dude. And he basically gets in like a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or um, oh, what the hell was that thing that I used to watch all the time? Inframan. Way back in the day. It's a Japanese uh, <laughs> giant kaiju monster robot battle thing. And uh, that was written and drawn by Ryan Alexander Tanner. And it was colored by Catherine Peach. It was just, it was a fun little add-on. Like, I completely didn't expect it. I was already more than satisfied with my two ninety nine of being introduced to this really cool world that Joe's come up with. And then having this, like, this good gut laugh mm-hmm. at the end to kind of cap it off. I'm I'm kind of hoping that they do that with each issue that we get like a little taste of, of art and, and comedy from someone else. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. And the last and page, was... Tiger Lawyer. Yeah, and, yeah, and, <laughs> and Tiger, I was just about to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I hear Tiger Lawyer, I think of when Fiona Staples came on mm-hmm. and we were asking her like, you know, what do you read? What do you, you know, what are some of your favorite comics? And she just, first thing, she's Tiger Lawyer. Yeah. Tiger Lawyer is awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'd never seen Tiger Lawyer before. So that was really cool. I was like, oh my God. I was like, Stephanie loves Tiger Lawyer. <laughs> Fiona loves Tiger Lawyer. Now I love Tiger Lawyer. <laughs> uh, loves Tiger Lawyer. Yeah. He's I don't a know. lawyer, but he's also a tiger. He is. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I I like I like fantasy. I like high fantasy books. I like it when it's done with possibilities that I mean, it helps that the art is is gorgeous. But when she opens up those curtains, when you see that subway ride and you see all of these different creatures and all of these different things that exist within this world and she she runs into a boy on the on the train. And he's a fan and he's like, oh, he's like, why don't you write anymore? And she's Mm -hmm. like, because life got boring, Mm -hmm. you know, ever since and trails off and you find out a little bit of her backstory. Um, But it's it's a little it's a little bit sad. But by the end of the book, it kicks into high gear and you're thrown into this like super fantastic mystical mishap that who knows what kind of ramifications it's going to have for the character. And now all of a sudden for someone who's been depressed and who's been kind of holding on to a loss and lamenting the rest of her life and not really feeling inspired that we get to see that point in her life where all of a sudden things are going to take a turn and she's going to have everything to write about mm-hmm. within hopefully the next couple of issues. Right. There's a character on the train to the subway that looks like the guy from black science. He looks like the, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. Um, uh, Stephanie, did you read Shutter? I did. What did you think of it? I thought it was great. I enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, you know, the art's really good. I like the colors, too. And uh, I thought the story was really interesting. Uh, I think think that's actually, like, the official synopsis, Steve, where it's like uh, Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere, too. And I agree that it is very much like that. Mm. Like, it is, Mm. um, you know, that sort of adventurer thing. But there's there's a cool thing that... I think we'll play into it. And I don't know if you mentioned it um, where, you know, the, the whole photographer thing. Oh, right. Uh, right. I, I think that's going to come into play a bit later. Uh, mm-hmm. She mentions a certain aspect to why her photography is so unique. Yeah. 
um, and I won't give away what that is. It's, it's, I, I think it's noticeable. It's not barely noticeable, but it's not really elaborated on. No, it's one, it's one line. Something that happens afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought it was a great first issue. I, I really enjoyed it and I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. All right, cool. So that's Shutter number one by Joe Keating and with art by, um, Lila uh, Del Duca. Yes. I think it's Layla. Layla? I, maybe. I could be wrong. Oh, I might that be looks wrong. like Lila to me. Hmm? It looks like Lila to well, me. Well, I remember her at Image Expo. Like, everyone would pronounce it the way it sounded, and she would correct them. Like, okay. I remember on stage, whatever way Eric Stevenson introduced her, he was like, and this is mm-hmm. Layla or Lila Del Duca. And she's like, or Del Duca or Del Duca? And he's like, this is, she's like, Layla. Oh, Layla. Sorry. Although... I met in a club down in Esau. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people with my last name yeah. when they call the house. Yeah. Like, is Steve Siege? Mr. Siege? And I'm like, it's, and I correct them yeah. politely. Yeah. And they, they immediately get it wrong right <laughs> after I correct them. It happens mm. all the time. Yeah. I get short I actually changed my name. Like, they, I got a like, couple letters recently, and they'd added an I into Cook. <laughs> so it was straight up just Stephanie Cookie. <laughs> all right i think you should go with it good time yeah <laughs> all right so that's shutter number one um moving on uh going back to a, a marvel number one here uh, iron fist the living weapon uh art and art and written by uh Kyrie kyle andrews i don't know how you say his first name it's k-a-a-r-e Kyrie. 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 Kyrie kyle andrews uh, <laughs> it's a tough uh tough name so Iron Fist. I'm a, a reason I brought this up more than anything really is because I want to hear Bob's opinion on it because I know very little about Iron Fist. Everything mm-hmm. I've read of his, I've really, really enjoyed. I read a chunk of the Fraction Boo Breaker run from a couple years ago, uh, the Immortal Iron Fist. Obviously, the Fraction <laughs> Defenders uh, run, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Um, and obviously, in, 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 in the Fraction Defenders run, uh, Danny Rand is very... Uh, it's a silly. It's a, he's a silly mm-hmm. character almost in in that story. In the Fraction Brubaker stuff, he's obviously a little bit more uh, intense. There's a little bit more stuff going on, but he always seems to have kind of a uh, a kind of wry sense of mm-hmm. humor about his situation. Um, that is not the case in Iron Fist, the the, <laughs> the living weapon. Uh, the best way I can describe to people who haven't read it is that it feels very uh, '80s. Like Frank Miller, like Daredevil, born again okay. type of feeling to it to me. It mm. feels like the decision to take a character and kind of, um, kind of, I guess, lack of a better term, darken him up a little bit. You know, get into the more like psychological aspects of being a, a man who watched his father die and and has been placed with this burden of being this living weapon his his entire life. Um, it's not a version of the character I have ever read. I've very limited, obviously. Uh, the book gets <clears throat> pretty intense at times. I, I found myself enjoying the the book, um, all, all, always with this kind of dissident feeling about I don't know if this is the way, like if this is any way beholden to the, any way the character's ever been, you know. So I, I had those issues, but I only only having read the character in the last ten years two times. I'm not really an authority to speak on that. So I enjoyed what was there. I thought the art was very interesting. And again, very kind of 80s Frank Miller-ish type of art. Um, 
you know, in the book, you know, Danny is very out of it. He's 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 depressed. He's had a lot of bad stuff happen to him. He's looking for any way to kind of feel alive. And he does some, he doesn't do like awful things, but he does, you know, normal, like I'm a really depressed person things, you know, he's sleeping around, he's kind of mistreating people emotionally. Um, and something big comes to his, to his door, uh, which he perceives as being about him, but which might not be kind of at all. Mm. Um, it, it was a good read to me and I enjoyed the art. Uh, it, it was so intense though, that I, I, I was, I was thrown off by it. Uh, Bob, I don't know if you if you checked it out at all. I glanced through it, and that's really about it. I'm um, looking at it now as you, yeah, it, it, you it, know that does look like uh, Miller Mazzuchelli. Yeah, it's exactly what it feels like too. Um, it's kind of the story about him. He, he's kind of taken home this girl. His reporter is kind of reporting on him uh, as Danny Rand, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he, he decides, you know, he takes her home and he sleeps with her. And while you get the story of how her kind of interviewing him, you get his backstory about it when he was in the mountains and his father is searching for. Um, the, the the hidden city and how his father kind of uh, dies looking for it and he ends up there and all this stuff you don't get you don't actually see him at the city you see kind of what happens in the lead okay. up to getting there uh, again I I enjoyed what I read and I thought the art was pretty striking in a lot of ways but I want to know Bob having only read the section of Iron Fist I've read way I've described it at least does it fit with any portion of the character his his origin story okay you're, you're, it began as a very intense story okay it's his dad and mom and a little nine year old Danny yeah that's weird with his father's business partner searching for it's Kunlun but it's Shangri-La Kunlun right and I don't, I don't know do they get to that in here I don't want to spoil what this. happens yeah yeah yes but I mean I don't think it's really a spoiler okay. this is the way of them retelling the story okay. as a number one so they're one. retelling it yeah well the the business partner basically chucks the father off a cliff mm. so that he can be with the mother okay they they don't get into that, that stuff yet but yeah, yeah that didn't happen yeah they yeah. repainted a little bit here yeah it's pretty messed up yeah and what ends up happening the, the mom is throwing rocks at him and they're on mm. a cliff and she and she and little Danny are trying to get to this city, to, mm. and the other the fellow just leaves them. Well, you won't be with me. Fine, die mm. on a cliff. I okay. don't care because now it's just meet him. I don't need mm. Rand. I'll just take over. Right. They get to. Uh, I'm going to spoil this, but it's such a great moment. They get to this wooden bridge that crosses the ravine that will get them to the hidden city, mm-hmm. and they realize they're being followed by a pack of wolves. Okay. They're walking across the bridge, and in the captions, Danny. All of a sudden, realizes he's only hearing one set of footsteps going this way, and he hears his mother going the other. She throws herself into the wolves to be eaten. Oh my god! So that he can escape. Wow. Roy Thomas. So he's had a cheery life. He has a very happy life. Right. <laughs> yeah. So th- it's very, yeah. very intense. Okay. And his origin goes through him training. They, they, he gets saved by the masters, mm-hmm. and then he, as as we go on, I won't spoil the rest of this story. He he discovers that revenge isn't exactly what he thinks it is. Right. Take that, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> what eventually happens is that it lightens up as we go. They changed writers. Thomas Roy Thomas and Gil Kane did the origin, and then it went to Len Wein, and then Tony Isabella, and eventually Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Mm-hmm. And did so it nobody as, good's written it. <laughs> no. As he went down the end, as a matter of fact, sitting here is you have the introduction of Sabretooth. In issue 14, the first Claremont Byrne X-Men is Iron Fist 15, oh, wow. as a matter of fact. And then eventually he became partners with Power Man. Right. And that's where things change. He's still intense, but what it ends up being is that 
buddy cop movie. And mm-hmm. so he's the fish out of water. It's it's the Harlem street guy and this mystical rich fella. And he's he gets to see the real world. And in his regular book, he's had Misty Knight and Colleen Wing have been around, and he's built up mm-hmm. relationships. But he's still a little... Right, messed up by right. what happened. Okay, but eventually he he changes into sort of the character you saw in Fractions Defenders, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, this is kind of fun being really rich. And he yeah. died at the end of the Power Man Iron Fist run. Okay, he got blown through a wall basically mm-hmm. by a bad guy, mm-hmm. which they've conveniently forgotten in between. Of course, apparently. Yes. <laughs> but based on what you're saying here, they've gone right back to the origin stories, which is a nice way to take this. Again, we we say this a lot about Marvel. A lot of different tones yeah. going on. This is yeah. a, this is an intense one. Yeah, if you're looking for something light, this is not the book for you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Stephanie, I'm guessing you read it because you commented. I did. Yeah. So what's interesting about when I heard Bob talk about the origin that's in the original book, what I start to think is the origin you see here is definitely seen through kind of a child, like his eyes, right? Where he he's experiencing what happens to his father on this mountain um, through his eyes and kind of how he's dealt with it his entire life. So he, I don't know if what we're seeing in that origin, Stephanie, when the book is what actually happens or kind of what he perceives it to happen, you know? Because mm-hmm. what Bob is saying is very close to what happens in this book, but there's slight tweaks, obviously, to wh- what goes on. Well, maybe they, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because maybe they did just slightly tweak it because they felt that was a bit too dark. Mm-hmm. And maybe like what they had in mind, you know, didn't line up, didn't necessarily, it didn't need to, you know, again, out orphan story Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I don't know. I thought that what they did was effective mm-hmm. without having any previous knowledge of him. Yeah. Um, as a character, I thought the origin story was good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it sounds similar, but maybe not as, you know, post-life, need lots of therapy, but not <laughs> as much. Right. He still seems like he needs some therapy in this book. Yeah. He's not definitely. doing so well. He needs a hug. <laughs> yeah, he needs Aww. a hug really badly. <laughs> <laughs> I loved, there was like, there was a lot of really cool art things in it too. Mm. Um, like, kind of frank miller sin city-ish yeah absolutely with, there's like one scene with a girl and her underwear you know like the background is all red and mm-hmm. everything's like she's like silhouetted and you know the red is the same color as like you know the, the few things she has on right yeah. it all blends in i don't know how to describe that no effect, i, I but... know what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i thought it was a i thought it was a pretty good first issue i mean Comparing it to like the you know Nightcrawler, who I do have some experience with, and this, who I don't have any experience with, I found this far less confusing to read than Nightcrawler. Right. Uh, it, it's it's funny because I want to say that it is intense, but he does fight zombie ninjas in it, so well, that's it's, a plus. It's not exactly like it's you know it's trying to be a Hamlet or anything, but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, again, the only thing I had about it was just because what I've recently read of him is very different than what is happening here. So I had that weird feeling in my gut, but I did really enjoy the issue, uh, and I think it's something that's going to be pretty cool to go to go forward with. So I don't know. Is this ongoing? Yeah, it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely ongoing. And you're getting you're getting number two. I'm going to get number two. Yeah. All right. Uh, it seems like this is probably the way they're probably going to go with the character when they introduce him in kind of that like Netflix, the Netflix, the Netflix be great. stuff. Because I think they're going for a, a much more kind of grounded, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, streets, ugly streets of New York kind of vibe to the Daredevil and to all that stuff. So Man, I can't wait for that stuff to yeah. come out. Yeah. 
So I feel like that's what you're going to see here with, with, with Iron Fist. But a really, really strong uh, first issue. Uh, the art and the writing uh, by... How, what did we decide his first name was? Kerry. Kerry. <laughs> Kerry Kyle Andrews. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. Kerry. Kerry, whatever. Kerry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, number one. All right, so that's going to do it for our books of the week. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and answer some listener questions. Right, we are back, and we've had a huge backlog of listener questions over the last few weeks that we haven't been able to get to because we've been doing very, very content-rich and long shows. So uh, I wanted to get through. We wanted to get through a bunch of those tonight for you guys because we're not. We haven't forgot about our our awesome and loyal listeners. We love you. Um, the so, disloyal uh, ones we forgot. Yeah, about. whatever. Yeah, they're, uh, gone. So <laughs> <laughs> they're dead to me. They're dead. You hear? <laughs> Wow. So this is on. Uh, <laughs> it got dark. This is on the forums. This is from Sammy uh, Cassell, and he says, "Okay, I put a lot of thought into a, into a good thought-provoking question. So let's try this. You guys always say follow creators and not characters. So how do you reconcile your favorite characters being handled not so well? And if you only follow certain creators, how do you discover new creators that start on something besides a number one issue? What if there are a new writer or artist that gets a gig on, say, Iron Man, mediocre-selling book, and writes the ship to make it a good book?" Um, I, as an older collector, have survived some terrible runs on some of my favorite characters, but it was still my character and I endured. Um, he, I'm not enjoying the current run on the Incredible Hulk, but I figure I'll ride it out for a pretty good while just to see if the writer is in a slump or, or until they get changed out. Should I ditch the book as a statement to Marvel? Um, so there we go. It's a lot of questions in one question. Well, it's basically yeah. saying like... W- w- creator... follow. We always say for all creators, not characters, but... How do you, how do you find new creators if you're not trying out or keep sticking with characters? Talking comic books podcast. <laughs> yeah, us though. He's talking about us. Uh, Bob, what do you think about this? Lots of research. Mm-hmm. You want to read interviews with these creators. There are a lot around, whether it's from us or you'll see it in the trade publications or other. There are other podcasts Shh. <laughs> and places like CBR and so on and so forth. And if they're doing a character you love and one that's not been treated well, what's their take on it? What are they going to bring to the table that might change your opinion? You dropped something. I've dropped Captain America after 50 years because Mm -hmm. I just didn't like what was going on. Mm -hmm. If that changes, if someone comes on that book that I like, I'll be back in a second. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know if it's sending a message exactly. But, for instance, we had when Captain Marvel was relaunched the first time. I have to say, I didn't know Kelly Sue DeConnick's work from A Hole in the Wall. She'd mm-hmm. written a half dozen comics that, yeah. that we had known and done a lot of translating work and mm-hmm. some other things. And just what she was having to say about the character, well, we're going to bring this back to what it was supposed to be. Great. I know your uh, your Flash team has moved yeah. over to Detective. detective yeah. Would you Well, I started reading Detective. Okay. Yeah, I started reading Detective. You know, I think it's... We, obviously, we say fall creators and not, not characters, but that's not a, like, it's not a hard line you know stance there are times where you like i interested in the iron fist so i started reading 
this this Iron Fist book, um, and so happens to be this new guy writing it. Um, it's number one, so it kind of excludes kind of what he, he's talking about in a, in a lot of ways. But I, I think it's not a hard line. It's more of a, a statement of saying, don't keep reading a bad book just because it's a character that you have liked in the past. Because mm-hmm. if you do that, what you're telling the company is, it doesn't matter how good the book is, you'll keep buying it because it's Fantastic Four or Spider-Man mm-hmm. or Batman or whatever. I, I think that's more what we're, we're talking about. You know, Discovering new creators is paramount and you have to take risks in that way. And it's, But it's not saying not to take risks, it's saying not to continue to be a slave to an idea of what something's supposed to mm-hmm. be. You know, if you're not enjoying something, why keep buying it? I think that's more what we're trying to say. I know, Stephanie, what do you think? I I agree. I mean, if it's a character that you're loving, like, and there's even some little, you know, semblance of that character in the book you're reading and you enjoy that, read it. I mean, if it's a complete, you know, you want to throw the issue and then have, you know, a comic burning party in your backyard after you read each <laughs> issue, then you probably shouldn't keep giving your money to the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really depending on the person. It's different for each of us. It's different for each book. And, you know, finding new creators, I think it's, think I think it's hard to find a new creator and get a feel for them halfway during like a series like Incredible Hulk or Iron Man. I think it's hard to get a feel for um, exactly what they're doing when, you know, someone's been doing like something horrible with the character and then, you know, you come on this whole new, like with a whole new writer that is making the book good again. You, if you haven't been reading the part that's crappy, you don't necessarily realize just how good the change is. I think mm. with new writers, you know, uh, a, a lot of it, the key to getting noticed for them and for me in particular is seeing them on a new book or, you know, making such an incredible impact on a continuing book that, you know, everyone's writing about them and saying, you need to check this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Steve. Yes. What do you think about this, uh, about going, you know, creator versus character? Well, I mean, recently, especially with the Marvel Now, all new now, 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 relaunch, (laughs) there's been a couple of stumbles in regard to character. Characters have been moving over into books, uh, books that I know they're number ones. I know he was mentioning number ones, but there have been a couple of things that have really not sat well with me in terms of presentation of these characters and characters moving creator and going over to these other people. And I know that everybody is going to write characters their own way. And that's just the that's the law of it. That's what's going to happen when you give you know characters some. But if they don't, if they don't have that core, that thing about the character that really shines for you personally, then it might be time to move on to another book. And also, uh, if you're not buying something that you're only enjoying, you know, so much, or because you feel indebted to having to buy it. You could always use that opportunity to buy a different book. And if you're talking about how do you find new creators, uh, for me, aside from being a part of Talking Comics and and you know knowing some of these people and stuff, I just take a risk. I take a gamble. Something looks cool. If something is within the wheelhouse of things that I know that I usually enjoy, like something like Shutter. Mm-hmm. You know, Shutter number one. Um, I've read 
a fair amount of Joe Keating stuff by now, and not all of it has blown me away. Some of it was okay. Some stuff I flat out didn't like. Uh, but the premise and the world is what brought me in, and the idea of moving on to a book that can go to you know unpredictable places, uh, you know, excites me as a as a comic book reader. And now I do have a Joe Keating book that I'm very interested mm. in reading. And, you know, come May, Shutter Number 2 will be at the top of my to-read pile. You know, just like that. Mm-hmm. It just takes the right story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not... And we're not saying also to go blindly the other way either. Like, just because you love, you know, a, a certain creator doesn't mean you need to keep reading a book by that creator if you don't like that book. Mm-hmm. Like, you mentioned Captain America before. I love Rick Remender. I, uh, you know... Uh, Steve has been reading Uncanny X-Force. Yeah. Um, that's where I kind of first got into his work. So good. I love Black Science. I'm, I'm loving Deadly Class. I tried reading Captain America because he was writing it, and I didn't dig what he was doing huh. there. Um, you know, I wouldn't just keep reading it because Rick Remender was writing it. Now, mm-hmm. he brings up an interesting point in his post. He says, as kind of an old, as a longtime collector, and here's where you run into, the, into, into I think, a, a distinct difference. Uh, you know, you can if you're a collector of the books and you need to have every single issue of the Hulk, you know, you know, you want your complete set. That's one thing, you know, mm-hmm. and that that is kind mm-hmm. of. But people need you need to recognize that that's separate of quality or who's writing it, who's drawing it. That's just that's a whole other thing. You know, people collect things to collect things, and it's a perfectly valid way to, to spend your time. But if you, as a reader, are enjoying this, you know, the Mark Wade Hulk stuff that's going on right now. Why suffer through, you know, two years of the character and spend all of this money? Right. Just wait till it's over and wait till the next person comes out and then jump back on. There's nothing because you can't. <laughs> I'm going right. through that right now with Fantastic yeah. Four. Right. It's, right. I don't. I don't. I don't like anything about it. Mm-hmm. But you know, since starting on the Hickman stuff and moving over to the Fraction stuff, I'm kind of in line to collect that series, those characters, and that that title. But the first two issues. I, I've, I have nothing. Right. But when three comes out, it's just, I think it's part of it is that hope that it'll get better. Maybe we just, just need to give the writer some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, if you love the characters, you remain hopeful anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, Oh, come on, this has got to get better. This has got to good. And mm-hmm. you know, um, but it's tough. It's tough, especially with, with people having a limited amount of money that they can't always spend the amount of money that they would like to on comics. There's always new stuff coming out. Uh, some people have a situation where they need to drop a book in order to get a new one. Mm-hmm. That's always a tough call, especially if you're really enjoying all the stuff that you are currently reading or collecting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and always, I mean, ask, ask your friends. If you have friends that um, that enjoy books or whatever, ask for their advice if you if you trust their opinions. Uh, or come over to the Talking Comics forums. <laughs> no, I've dropped entire lines when Marvel hired Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and all those folks. I bought one of each was appalled, stopped. So that was Avengers, Captain America, Fantastic Four, no. Mm. And then about three months later was, oh, it's a trick. It's only a year. They'll mm-hmm. all be back. I was, okay, well, I'll just buy these Fantastic Fours, the two that I missed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then put the other ones in bags. They've been in a box for whatever it is, 15, 17 years, and right. they've never been read. <laughs> oh, wow. But I have a complete set, and they yeah. cost me a dollar each, but right. I, I couldn't read them. They were just not right. my, not the characters I wanted, looking the way or acting the way I wanted, and dropped an entire line i mm-hmm. was buying lots of dcs mm-hmm. and sampled some of the new ones and mm-hmm. backed away from nearly everything and yeah 
again, it's about enjoyment. That's the one thing we do say a lot around yeah. here. If you're not enjoying the book for whatever reason, it's too expensive, it's too violent, it's too this, it's mm-hmm. too that, or I just don't like it. Collecting is great. The books we're buying today, even 40 years from now, are not going to be collectible in the way that books from 40 years ago were or mm-hmm. 70 years ago were. Buy yeah. them because you want to read them. Buy them because you're enjoying them. Don't buy them the way people were buying Beanie Babies, figuring they're going right. to send their kids to college <laughs> mm-hmm. by having Superior Spider-Man final issue that comes out today. Right. It's yeah. it's a for, it's not a formula, too. You know, like Scott Snyder can't write Batman and Captain Marvel. I mean, he could, but mm. if you wrote those in the same tone, you'd have a completely different book. Mm-hmm. You know, some writers just aren't meant to write certain characters. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're bad writers. It's because they're in a headspace for, like, for instance, again, Scott Snyder, you know, he's very much a horror writer. Mm. Horror. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he does great on the books that fit into that genre and that he can kind of bend into that genre. Like, Batman is very mm. much kind of, like, thriller, noir, horror. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think you could bring him over. I, I, I think he could do a great have a great shot at just about any book but you know if you're looking for a chipper picker upper story <laughs> god Snyder's probably not you know the person you know you want right. on that book right um and, and like you know i think a really good example you know is just kind of stepping out of the comics world and seeing the movies the way marvel you know does the movies like comic books and has like doesn't take themselves too seriously and just has fun with them, and their their comic books come to life. Whereas DC just has it stuck in their head that in order for superheroes to be taken seriously, the movie has to be serious. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, for each character, that formula doesn't work. You have to stick to what works for that character, mm-hmm. not what you think works to make it serious. Right. Yeah. I mean. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And you've got to just go by. And like Bob was saying, there's so much out there and so much variety that there's so much for you to experience stuff that you like. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. So that's what you should gravitate towards and not spend time. If you're a collector, that's awesome. But do not be a prisoner to the fact that you collect things. Because that, that's when I think it becomes an issue. Um, Break the chains, man. But Sammy, yes. you wanted a thought-provoking question. We talked for like 10 minutes about that one question. So great, great job. Great question. Yeah, great, great question. <laughs> um, this is from John Dean. He says, uh, this is an email. He said, reading comics, you come across a lot of silly words most of which are made up. So how do you decide what the proper pronunciation is? I used to pronounce... Uh, I, uh, it's Attilan, right? That's how you pronounce it, actually? Adelon. Adelon, as he spelled it. He, he used to say it, Attilan, until I heard you pronounce it, Adelan. In the case of uh, Ra's Ghoul, the movie and TV universe used a different pronunciation than the person that actually <laughs> created the character. So that's one mess of confusion. I know ultimately it doesn't matter. I just thought it would be a fun question to tackle. Um, Bob, was there anything? Magneto. I said Magneto in my head for years. Even though there is an actual mechanical device called a Magneto, it's right. in motors, I was Magneto. I yeah. have to say, I never said Submariner, though. I was, I was smarter than that, but yeah, it was always Magneto. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good one. That's a good one, Magneto. Uh, Stephanie, do you have anything? Yeah, actually, this is a recent one. Like We kind of talked about it um, on this week's Misfits, but um, I was re-watching the trailer for... Uh, the dead lock and key pilot, mm-hmm. and 
Bode from the comic. I'd always called him Bode, but in the show, like in the pilot, his name's Bodie. Yeah. So what? I, I was just kind of like, yeah. oh, that's so weird. He's like a little surfer. Yeah. <laughs> Bodie Miller. Yeah. 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 I will lump me in with Stephanie on that one. <laughs> See, he looks so confused. Look at the. So confused. Oh, yeah, I'm like, because uh, I always, I always uh, associated with the the Neil Gaiman book, the Graveyard book, mm-hmm. and that was Bod. Yeah, like no, no body kind yeah. of thing. So I always just said Bod mm-hmm. um, for a very long, the entire. Se- Damn it! <laughs> now it's gonna see. I'm never read it. I'm never no, but I'm never gonna be able to call him anything else. It's already <laughs> in there. Yeah, no, same. I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, if it's anything for me, it is forever. Whenever I'm reading Wonder Woman, and I have to pronounce oh, Thymascara? Yeah, that will that, yeah. and whoever the hell a lot of the the gods and goddesses, mm. I know like you know your standard fair ones, but every so often some left field you know god or goddess will show up or deity or whatever, and I just like I need to be like, all right, let's just stop, let's take a breath. <laughs> Go in there. There's a lot of eyes. There's a lot of e's. There's a y in there somewhere. And um, yeah, it's a little bit of a trip up. And then, like, uh, huh? It's like grade school all over again. Yeah. Well, just sound it out. Just, just yeah, I'm sitting there. And I'm like, what would it look like with those little bullet points in between the syllables? Uh, so that's definitely uh, a tricky spot yeah. for me. For and, me, it uh, was uh, Osmandius. And and <laughs> and uh, Lar See now you, it's Larflees, Larflees. See, yeah, yeah, we still don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I used to call him Ozzy Mandias. I think uh, Dark Side's another one. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I got yelled dark at. Seed. Yeah, yeah, Dark Seed, Dark yeah. Side. Yeah, I got yelled dark at. Dark Side. <laughs> I still struggle with Word. Ween. Oh, really? The name? Yeah. Well, it could be wine, but yeah. it's not. It's Len Wein, as far yeah. as I know. And then I hear other professionals say it the other way. Well, wait, wait a minute. About Anthony you Wiener. confused me. That, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. An unfortunate Th- there's name that one, is. There's one from the real world that I've been absolved of blame for. The city that was first atomic bombed, mm-hmm. you'll hear that spoken every different way by Japanese, not even Japanese-Americans, mm-hmm. Hiroshima, Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. It's because apparently the Japanese language is a non-accented language. Mm-hmm. So okay. both are proper. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm not making a mistake. I'm actually right twice. Yes. I thought for a second you were going to bring up, I don't know why, but I was like, oh, he's going to say this one. But like, and this has nothing to do with wrong pronunciations, but Sean Bean. Oh, yes. Has anyone ever heard that where like, my friend had like this thing where he's like, his name isn't Sean Bean. It's not possible. Either it's Sean Bon or Sean Bean. <laughs> that's, that's all his name could be. You can't be one or the other with like, yeah. I don't know why that came um, into my head and why I thought Bob was about to say uh, well, that. Uh, how about the fellow who stars in the Fantastic Four movies for Tim Story? I've heard 47. Uh, Ion Gruffold? Yeah. <laughs> what? It's Ian, Ian. Gruffold. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's Ian. But it's, it's Ion, yeah. Rufold, and yeah, it's what about very uh, weird. Rafe Fines? It, it's Rafe, right? It is Rafe. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. Ralph Fines. It's fancy Ralph. <laughs> yeah, that's what it. You know, yeah. that's what it sounds like. It sounds like his name was Ralph, yeah. and then one day, one day he was just like, you know no, what? No. I'm becoming pretty important. Yeah. It's Rafe. Yeah. No, it's Igor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's some stuff that that tripped us up there. Uh, this is an email from Logan Roland, and he says um, the the topic is gun to the head. That's the topic of the email. And he says, first, each of you determine at least three of your all-time favorite fictional characters. 
<laughs> Try to conceal the reasons as well as possible. Second, close your eyes. And try to imagine this scene. I can't close my eyes because I have to read the email. But all of you can close your eyes. You are standing in the middle of a crowded street. People are bustling around you. And a few may even bump into you or forcibly move you out of their way. Though, of course, this is humanity we're speaking of. So there are some who apologize and even others who are kind enough to help you up if you get knocked down. And when the sound of all people of, of the street has reached its apex, silence tears like a knife. And it is still. And all is still. Every person around you drops to the ground, limp and unmoving, save three persons. Insert your three favorite fictional characters here. It is revealed that you must make a choice. To save all of humanity, you must sacrifice one of these three favorite characters to save existence. You must wipe out all existence of one of your favorite fictional characters. Good luck. (laughs) Bob. Who are your three? We are Ben Grimm. Okay. Captain America okay. and Susan Storm. I have my top hundred here. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we're talking about it because they're in the fictional universe. Yeah. I'll sacrifice Captain America. A, he would do that. <laughs> Not that the other two wouldn't, and mm-hmm. they already have. But just since I've already dropped his book, I wouldn't be losing anything. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Steve. Oh, man. All right. My three heroes are Batman, uh, Spider-Man, and Valeria Richards. Okay. And, oh, I'm going to get so much hate for this. Uh, I'm going to have to do away with Batman. I know. You just doomed the world, sir. I can't. First of all, I can't kill a kid. I can't kill a kid. And honestly, I, I think that Valeria would be smart enough to figure out a way to cross uh, brands and bring them back, <laughs> if anything. Um, honestly, I think I think that uh, minus Batman, there would be other people to defend Gotham. Maybe the stories wouldn't be the same, but I think that there's enough heroes and enough people that are pure of heart inside of Gotham to defend it, that if Batman was not there, it would not be left in ruin. Mm-hmm. So, all right, there you go. Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> this is hard. It's like harder even to just think of like my absolute three favorite characters. Mm. Um, I guess I'll say Rogue from X-Men. Uh, Stephanie Brown. You know, Batgirl, spoiler. Uh, and I'll say Molly from Runaways. Um... And Molly, she's too young to die. She has a full <laughs> life ahead of her. And, and Stephanie's know. an old lady? Yeah. <laughs> and Stephanie Brown's an old lady? Well, no, but oh, no. I mean, Molly's a kid. I didn't say I was killing Stephanie Brown. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, like, rationalizing here. Oh, you know? okay. Molly, Molly, ugh, she's a baby. <laughs> and Stephanie Brown, you know, she's still a kid, too. She loves waffles. She just wants to eat waffles, guys. Just all the waffles. And I mean, uh, I, I think it would have to be Rogue. It really would. Because, I mean, A, she's already dead in the universe. Thanks to that ah. anticlimactic hunk of whatever. Absolutely. Book. And, you know, again, like what Bob said, I feel like if it was between these characters who are not from the same you know, universes. <laughs> I think she would take one for the team for these two. Hmm. It's funny. You guys picked all comic book characters. 
Well, yeah. I mean, he just said fictional characters. Yes. I was. I had a. I had a fictional character. I had the the character of Charlie Parker from the John Connolly uh, Charlie Parker series. But I, I didn't know if anybody had any idea who the hell I was going to... And I was going to kill him. I know John Connolly's book. No, I know, but I'm saying I was going to kill Charlie Parker. And Parker. I, I just don't know that it would have... Like, it wouldn't have meant anything to those who were listening. Like, who the fuck is this guy? He's one of your favorite fictional characters? Yeah, he's definitely cool. in the top three. Awesome. awesome. Love. I did not know that. Yeah. Because my three are Harry Potter... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> oh, please. And Batman. Those are the three. Taters. <laughs> this is amazing. What was the third one? Batman. All right. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm going to have to go, I'm going to agree with Steve, I'd probably also kill Batman. That's right. Um, because without the other two people, the world would be over. In, mm-hmm. in, uh, multiple universes this would be over. <laughs> and Harry's been through enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so is Sam. He walked, in, walked into hell. Basically, so um, that's what I would pick. Um, Sam was an interesting choice. Yeah, he's one, he's my favorite character from Lord of the Rings. Ah. And there are three of my favorite books. So I don't know who my favorite character is from that series. I'd have to think about it. He does he does the the most with the least, is my opinion. So that's why. Um, he's definitely the heart. Yeah. Of the story. I actually, yeah, I I kind of just switched it to be comic book characters because I had like Lyra from the Golden Compass. Oh, I love those books. Yeah, those were like those still are. Like three of my favorite books ever, although the last one is questionable. But <laughs> all kids, um, huh? You just you just you're yeah. out to kill a kid. <laughs> I know, but I mean, you. I do have Harry Potter. It's true. I have one kid, <laughs> and he <laughs> the boy who lived. Stephanie Brown's a teenager. Yeah. Well, Harry Potter was you know, kid when he started. Eighteen yeah. when the books are over or whatever. Well, when they start, he's like. Yeah, I didn't say I was going to kill eleven-year-old Harry Potter. Come on. <laughs> well, you didn't kill him. Poor kid. No, I didn't. I killed Batman. <laughs> Batman's dead. It's okay. I'll be back. Um. So uh, we kind of talked about this already, but I wanted to bring this up. This is from uh, this is from Christopher, uh, uh, and he says, um, "Hey, guys and gals." Um, He's, he he talked he was talking about um, the Captain America movie. He says Cap Escape from Shield was reminiscent of an Escape from Shield in Civil War, which he loved. Um, he also really enjoyed Bob's reference to Secret Warriors and and Hydra running Shield on last week's mm-hmm. on last week's show from that that comic book story. Um, Secret Warriors is his favorite comic book series ever. Um, he thinks Cap will be an amalgam of fifties Cap, Death of Captain America, and Bucky takes the Shield. Um, Chris Evans signed on for six movies, and Sebastian Stan on for nine. Um, if so, this is a, a route. Makes the route makes sense to him. What do you think? I uh, do too. Mm-hmm. We've discussed some of this. I, yeah. I would leave Steve in charge of Shield, mm-hmm. which happens sort of when the super soldier thing, the outfit right, you see yeah. him wearing. Also, guys, if you're listening, don't worry, we're not going to spoil the movie. So yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen here. No. Yeah. So I think we could, from the business aspect of it, yes, I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. From a storytelling aspect, you could add the other twist to it and have it be something you could always revisit. Right. Absolutely. And I, I really brought this question because Stephanie wasn't here last week. And I believe you saw the movie, right? I did. So I, I wanted to give like, you a chance. Day one. You did. I wanted to give you a chance. You reviewed it for the site, obviously. You want uh, want to give you a chance to give your thoughts about the movie. Oh, my God. I loved it so much. Um, I, I thought it was even better than the Avengers, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it was everything that I wanted it to be. And, you know, it's funny because 
the first Captain America movie, I went and saw in theaters, but I had no desire to see really. Like, you know, it's, it's like, I never read the comics, and to me, you know, it's Captain America. I live in Canada, guys. <laughs> you know, like there was just never any desire to read a character that seemed to be all about, you know, mm-hmm. America. And I went to see the movie because, you know, the Marvel movies are obviously not a big deal. <laughs> um, and it's just like he's the everyday hero. He's he's the good in all of us. And like it was such a perfect movie. And I loved it more than, you know, the Thor movies. And everyone that's in it is so well cast. And the second movie was just perfect. Mm. Um I loved the Winter Soldier casting. I loved, you know, like I said this in my review as well, like Scarlett Johansson probably wouldn't have been my ideal Black Widow. Um, I, I definitely think someone else could have done the role better. But that being said, she is the Black Widow. Right, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. She kills it in the role. And people too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love the, the little subtle things like, her necklace <laughs> in the movie um and I, I just thought it was fantastic mm. I, falcon was so awesome i love anthony mackie so much right now <laughs> love him Somebody. i'm watching like all these interviews with him and um i was watching him play superhero charades with lorraine sink um <laughs> for i think marvel's uh, like official interview channel thing. Right, yeah. Oh my god, he was so funny. He's hmm. like a kid in a candy store. You know, like they're pulling out like she goes first and like lists all of these things. Uh, well, she d- like says charades. She's acting out superheroes and he's just like so excited to figure out who they are and then when it's his turn to act them out, he's like so into it. It's like he's an actor. It's, it's almost. I saw something uh, on Twitter the other day where they were, what did they say? Uh, still can't believe that uh, Papa Doc is Falcon. And I looked at the thing, I'm like, oh my God. You just take the dreads off and there he is. So funny. Uh, did you see his quote about the Wonder Woman movie? No. Oh, do you mind if no, we... No, Anthony okay. Mackie? Yeah, no. Um, Scarlet does great representation for the other girls, but there should be a Wonder Woman movie. I don't care if they make 20 bucks. If there's a movie you're going to lose money on, make it Wonder Woman. You know what I mean? Because little girls deserve that. There's so many of these people out there, little ones, doing awful things for money in the world of being famous, and little girls see that. They should have the opposite spectrum of that to look up to. Indeed. That's awesome. Awesome. Anthony Mackie well, is Marvel awesome. Marvel was making that yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be great? Funny, um, the fact about Scott Johansson being Black Widow, she originally wasn't supposed to be the Black Widow. It was supposed oh. to be Emily Blunt. And she was like, oh. she was, it was about to go in production. And I believe it was Fox. She had a kind of a deal with Fox, like a five movie deal. And it, if they wanted her to do a movie, she had to do a movie. So they wanted her to do Gulliver's Travels with Jack Black. Oh, God. So they pulled it, they, they made her bow out of the Marvel movie wow. to do the Gulliver's Travels. Oh, she's I been great. I would have been way on board with that. Yeah, everybody was really excited when they were announcing it. Um, and I mean, I've always really liked Scarlett Johansson, so I was happy about it. Her performance in Iron Man 2 isn't great. And then the last two movies, though, have been, she's been fantastic in them. So I agree. Like, I, yeah. I really enjoy... I, I thought Winter Soldier was just perfect. And I realized afterwards there's... I, I, don't, I won't spoil anything, so I'm going to try and dance around this like without spoiling anything. But there's a scene with Peggy mm-hmm. 
and apparently that scene is CG. Really? And what? What do you mean? Her mouth is CG. The makeup? And like, no. Uh, the like Well, what face. I thought was makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I thought it was like an entirely different actor, huh. Huh. but it's not. It's no, it's like, no, no. I knew it was her, but I figured that it was just like stellar no, makeup. so did I. Oh, interesting. But I, I thought my friend was crazy. Like my friend Amy, she went to see it and she came home and, you know, everyone is like, who went to see it is like, oh my God, I'm going to go see it six more times. Hmm. And like, she's the only person that's come back from it and was like, eh. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, slap. We're no longer friends, and we're dueling in the backyard now. Um, but she was like, I couldn't get past that like CG mouth, just staring at it. And like, she showed me an article, and apparently that was they CG'd it. Why wouldn't you just use makeup? It's like the Benjamin Button thing. Yeah. I think that's why they did it. I mean, there have been times in the past couple of years where they've done makeup on actors, and it's looked horrible. If you, I don't know if you saw the. The J. Edgar movie, the Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, God, yes. I had to review that. The makeup is horrible in that movie. Really? Aviator? What? Aviator? No, no, J. Edgar. That the, movie. The oh, okay. would yeah, be. that movie is not good either, which is a shame. Um, but the the Army oh, Hammer the and Leonardo DiCaprio makeup, it looks like a like a play. It looks like a community theater the, play, like makeup, which is crazy because it's a, it's a multi-million dollar, yeah. it's a Hollywood movie. You know, they think they would get it right. So I don't mind. on the Christmas party. Yeah. Because I don't mind they did the CG thing because it looks great. I mean, she looks... I didn't notice it. I yeah. thought it was great. Yeah, I didn't notice too. it either. Yeah, me too. Um, but my point being to that, like, not the CG thing at all, but mm. th- that scene, you know, is heart-wrenching. Yeah, it is. I, like, wanted to cry so hard after <laughs> I watched that. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, again, without spoiling anything, the first... Uh, mid post credits or mid credits scene mm. was just like whoa! <laughs> I had a freak out in the theater. I was in the theater with nobody, like no, I don't think anyone who really read comics, like at least I don't think, because like everyone kind of started leaving, and I'm sitting there like doing like fist pumps and stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, this is the best day ever. <laughs> and yeah, no one else seemed to get that. There was a girl in the front row who had like the best reaction to the Winter Soldier reveal of who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, the theater's all quiet, and then it's just like dun dun dun, and she's just like, "Oh shit, shit, <laughs> shit, shit!" shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I would love to see like a YouTube video of a bunch of clips of hidden cameras of watching people's expressions for <laughs> yeah. that. Like the red wedding. Yeah, like the red wedding. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like she was, and it was both funny and horrible because. I didn't hear like the next like two minutes of the film because the rest of the theater couldn't contain themselves from laughing at this girl. But it was, it was pretty funny. (laughs) She's like the only one who missed, you know, all the trailers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So awesome. So you want to get those thoughts on Captain America from you, but uh, I want to do another question. This is from, uh, his name is not adventure. It's Captain Superior on, on the forums. He says, he wants to know our thoughts on comicsology uh, being bought by Amazon. Um, I'm not going to give my thoughts because I did a whole show about it with Mara for mm-hmm. Comics and Coffee. So if you guys don't listen to that, you guys can listen to that. But I want to know, um, Stephanie, what, what, what did you think when you heard this news? Um, it's, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B for me. Uh, you know, it's good that there's the potential to have a bigger audience for digital comics. Uh, I, I love the idea of them being out there more. But, you know... They already sell comic books 
like mm -hmm. trades and they don't exactly do, you know, a great job of advertising. Look at all these comics we have for sale. Mm -hmm. So I don't see why it would be different now that they have digital stuff. Right. Um, you know, people were like, this is great. They're bringing more readers. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. Um, you know, they've had the ability to sell comics mm -hmm. all this time. Right. And, you know, it hasn't done anything more for the industry other than take money out of the comic book stores because of their pricing, mm -hmm. which is fine, whatever. But, well, it's not fine. But anyways, my point being, you know, there's pros and cons to it. I really liked the idea of giving my money to Comixology and, you know, m most of that money going directly to the creators, um, especially when it comes to the independent books, like mm. from Monkey Brain and Image and IDW and such. Um, and there not being a lot of, um, you know, ways for other people to get a cut. And I believe there's a couple other ways that companies will be getting a cut with Amazon. Mm -hmm. I think like Apple will be getting a cut and now Amazon as well. Well, I mean, Apple gets a cut of anything bought through the iTunes store. So anything that you buy yeah. on an iPad through the Comixology app, iTunes gets a, gets a cut of that. Uh, what I mentioned yeah. on the show is that, I mean, nothing concrete has happened, but if you look at the way that Amazon handles their other apps right now, like their Kindle app, like their, um, their, the, um, Audible app, the, you know, their streaming video app, you know, whatever, their streaming music app, you can listen and watch and read anything you already own on those apps for free on any device you want. But on Apple devices, you can't, like, I can't go on my Kindle app and buy a book from the Kindle app. I have to go onto Amazon.com on the web, buy it, and then sync it to my Kindle app. So it's going to change the way things work for iOS uh, owners. Uh, Which is a bummer. Yes. Because, like I said on this in the show, is that I feel like the rise of comiXology has been very much tied to the proliferation of, of tablets, especially iOS tablets. The amount of people who talk about reading comics on their iPad is it, it, pretty big. Mm -hmm. Um so it's going to be rougher. I think a, a large percentage of the really hardcore paying Comixology customers, it's going to be a little wake-up call. I, I think that the potential there is for Amazon to allow um, kind of more flexible pricing for Comixology. I think that's the, kind of the best thing. They already do really awesome sales, uh, Comixology, but I feel like with Amazon owning it, you'll get maybe a little bit more flexibility, at least on collected volumes uh, of I mean, stuff, hopefully. But what happens to Comixology submit... And you know, things I think like that, that stuff that. stays. I think I, I can't imagine that comic or like Amazon would, you know, not, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like there's some shady things for like independent people, I guess. Um, possibly. It, I mean, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we don't sell stuff on Comixology anyway, so that's not mm -hmm. really, you know, gonna right. affect us, but it does affect people that. We like. Yeah. Most you, of the you, time. You. It would be nice, actually, if something good, if I could ask for something good to come of this, it would be like a Marvel Unlimited for mm -hmm. comics. Yeah. Through like Amazon Comixology. Yeah. You know, like get Amazon Prime and be able to have um, a certain catalog of comics available for free. Right. Yeah. I would dig that. Yeah. I would be on board. <laughs> I would think for independent creators, you could negotiate a lot better deal with Comixology than with a monolithic company like Amazon. Mm -hmm. 
just well, because they can dictate their terms to you. Well, we're Amazon, and right. you'll do what we say. I just think it's another example of my curse. I started bu- buying things on Comixology. <laughs> They're gone. Here we go. It's Comixology is one of those companies that's still sort of that mom and pop feel where it's a big company, but you can still always reach the guy at the top. Mm-hmm. And now with it being Amazon, that's definitely not the case. Right, or absolutely. not going to be the case. Yeah. Steve, what do you think? Um, I'm very conflicted. I'll tell you why. I read a, a really compassionate article on uh, dorkshelf.com today about uh, somebody who I guess is either involved, they're a retailer, a comics book retailer, and they're just worried about what the partnership with Amazon is going to do to the local comic shop. Uh, the idea of, you know, these giant, I mean, we saw it when um, the the Oculus was bought mm-hmm. by Facebook. Yeah. You know, there in the last couple of weeks have been these major companies absorbing these smaller companies and everybody's afraid of what that's going to mean for the little guy. Uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, if it gets if being with Amazon gets more readers, then that's awesome. But at the same time, at what at what cost and what kind of changes to the to the Comixology uh, app or just their whole platform um, like what is that gonna gonna cost the readers? What's that gonna cost the people that are involved in Comicsology? Um, are the conditions for being a part of Comicsology and Amazon is that gonna change? My whole thing is this: there was the Dork Shelf article, and then there's also one on Wired.com that was kind of like a counterpoint to all of the the rah 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 that's going on. So you have both sides of the coin, and both sides have really valid questions or statements or whatever. You know, you have the the one side that are, well, what's going to happen to us? You're going to take more people out of the local comic shop. You know, if you have questions about books that you're looking to buy, you can't ask Amazon. You can't trust Amazon reviews. You want to talk to a real live person inside of a shop and get, you know, a real fan's opinion. You're not going to get that with Amazon. Um, and then there's the other part is saying that, you know, almost nothing is going to change. They've stated, you know, this is going to stay the same. This is going to stay the same. But there were key words inside of that article that seemed like just that one word, if you didn't put that one word in there, that it leaves the door open for change. And sometimes change can be good. Sometimes change can be very bad. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of advertising going on with Amazon. I shop Amazon all the time. So when I go on Amazon, I go on their homepage and they give me, you know, all the departments, all the categories. It's usually what's going on at Amazon. If they're having a gold box or they're having, you know, I don't know, a shoe sale or whatever, that's on there. But maybe they'll have a box for comics. But I I can't see like the smaller publishers and such getting that kind of press and that kind of exposure on the homepage that unless you go digging into the comic book section of Amazon slash Comixology, it's just it's going to be a few extra steps to find out exactly what's going on. And I don't know how that's going to work out for the for the customer mm. um, I, I, here. The bottom line for me is this. You asked my opinion. Yeah. My opinion is that I don't have enough information on either side yet to have a fully fleshed out opinion on it. So many of these things, they're just announcements. That's mm-hmm. all that's all it is. They're saying that this partnership is is going or it did happen, is going to happen, but nothing has come of it yet. It's really hard to have a hard on for it when there's no 
you know, product yet. Right. You know, if it gets comics out to more people and we see a, a rise in dollars all around and it says, you know, oh, this is awesome, but I, you know, I kind of would like to own this physically and be able to lend it to my friends. Maybe I'll go and check out that comic shop mm-hmm. that's in town. You know, they drive over there and all of a right. sudden they're going into the stores. If that happens, fantastic. I just don't want to see the people that, you know, give their blood, sweat, and tears to these books having to deal with a brand new uh, platform and being lost in the shuffle. Mm. So um, I'm concerned and optimistic at the same time. But like I said, without with both sides crying and, and not really any evidence to, to back it up yet because it's so fresh, uh, you're going to have to wait to see a couple of months into when it gets introduced to know what it's going to mean for the industry. Well, here's my thing. Barely anything's going to change. I mean, I don't think you're going to see, like, the Comixology app is still going to be the Comixology app. I think, like I said, the buying practices are going to change a bit. Um, I think that if you look at Amazon when they bought Audible, like, there's not a lot of changes that, that they usually mm-hmm. take into companies. If it's featured somewhere on the Amazon main page, that will be a huge boon yeah. to to the Comixology. And if it's included in Prime, like Stephanie said, like, that that's something that you could really take advantage of. You know would be... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, mm-hmm. but you know it would be awesome? Just... If when it gets integrated, that when you go to Amazon.com, there is a Comixology button at the top. Like yeah, it's yeah. got its own tab, its own thing, like, and it's sizable. Yeah. You know, like we now, we're now Comixology. Mm-hmm. Click here and look at all of this great stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be running deals for you. And, you know, for, for 24 hours, you're going to have 50% off or 70% off of, you know, all Frank Miller books mm-hmm. or whatever the hell it is that they're going to do. Right. I mean, the thing is, Comic College already does that stuff, so I can't imagine it's going to change. But I mean, the thing about I say about this is that Amazon, they're not going to they're not going to prioritize Comicsology over Kindle or over Audible. They they kind of give you everything on the same kind of level on their website, and if you want to discover, you can discover. Um, th- there's a certain amount of always when a corporation buys a smaller company. There's a lot of kind of ingrained paranoia mm-hmm. where people see the worst in in every avenue of everything that could possibly happen. Um, if Comixology goes away, you know what will happen? Another company will come in and they'll do the same thing Comixology did, and they'll do it, they'll do it again. And those links stop them doing that now, to be quite honest with you. Another company can do what Comixology did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, look, I, I, I want local comic book shops to be around and to thrive. But that does not mean that progress is not supposed to happen other places. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that it's now easier for people to get comics, that is good for the comic book industry. And comic book shops need to figure out a way to um, adapt and figure out how to offer something that these other places can't offer. You know, it, it's not like the, it needs to be good. Good for comics is what we're talking about here uh, for me, and not necessarily about the stores. And look, if you if you have a problem with Amazon buying Comicsology because you think it's going to take people out of the stores, then you have a problem with Comicsology in general because that was always the thing against them mm-hmm. was, was that they're taking people out of stores. Uh, like Stephen, it is a wait and see situation, um, but I think that anyone kind of saying the sky is falling on either side, it has to take a step back. Yeah. And just look what Amazon's done before. I mean, and I, I think it's a little bit hypocritical. All these people are like, they bitch about Amazon buying it. Well, they probably just bought 10 things from Amazon <laughs> 20 minutes ago. You know, that's the thing about it. It's like, it's the same thing. Like people bitching about Facebook buying Oculus on their Facebook page. It's like, you're, yeah. you're not really making a statement, you know, you're, you're just bitching to bitch. And uh, that's what I think a lot of it has been. Um, so that's going to do it uh, for our listener questions. Um, thank you guys so much for writing in. 
podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com, uh, at talkingcomics on Twitter, or facebook.com slash talkingcomics. And come join the forums and talk with us, talkingcomicbooks.com. Um, let's talk about what's on the shelves right now. Uh, we've got from the trade paperback of volume four of Rachel Rising is out from Abstract Studios. Uh, from Archie Comics, we give it Archie number 654, Mega Man number 35, and Sonic Universe number 62. Um, from Avatar Press, God is Dead number 11, and Red Rover Charlie number 5. From Boom Studios, Adventure Time number 27. We've got Curse number 4, Translucid number 1. Um, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got BPRD Hell on Earth number 118. We've got Dark Horse Presents number 35. We've got Ghost number three. We've got Skyman number four of four. The Star Wars number seven of eight. Um, White Suits number three of four. And Star Wars Darth Vader and the Cry of Shadows number five of five. From DC Comics, we've got American Vampire Second Cycle number two. We've got Batman number 30. Um, We've got Batman Eternal number two. Batwoman number 30. Birds of Prey number 30. We've got Harley Quinn, number five. Justice League, number 29. We've got Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 30. Sinestro, number one. Supergirl, number 30. Trinity of Sin, Pandora, number 10. Um, And Unwritten Volume 2, Apocalypse, number four. Wonder Woman, number 30. From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Badass, number four. We've got Captain Action Cat, the time stream catastrophe. (laughs) Nice. Number one. (laughs) You're buying it. Action Cat. Yeah, we've got uh, Shadow, number 24. Six Million Dollar Man, season six, number two is out. Um, We've got Solar Man of the Atom, number one, uh, with about six million covers. We've got Mm -hmm. Warlord of Mars, number 100, with also like a million different covers. Um, From ITW, we've got Crow Pestilence, number two. We've got Haunted Horror, number 10. We've got Star Mage, number one. We've got Star Slammers Remastered, number two. We've got Thunder Agents, number seven. We've got Transformers Windblade, number one. And X-Files Annual 2014. Uh, From Image Comics, we've got Five Weapons, number eight. Mercenary C, number three. Minimum Wage, number four. Morning Glories, number 38. Uh, The first volume of Sex Criminals is out. We've got Shotgun Wedding, number three of four. Stray Bullets Killers, number two. Voice in the Dark, number six. And Witchblade, number one, 74. From Marvel Comics, we have Amazing X-Men number six. We've got Deadpool versus Carnage number two. Hulk number one. We've got Ms. Marvel number three. We've got Nova number 16. We've got um, sorry, um, Superior Spider-Man number 31. Mm-hmm. We've got Thor God of Thunder number 21. Ultimate FF number one. Uncanny X-Men number 20. We've got What If, Age of Ultron, number three. Blech. Winter Soldier, The Bitter March, number three. Ooh, there's a, see, there's a great Rick Remender book. It's true. It is. It is a great Rick Remender book. Wolverine, number four. Wolverine, the X-Men, number three. X-Force, number three. And X-Men, number 13. Um, I'm let's out see here. Uh, on that one. We'll hear about that next week, I think. Uh, from Oni Press, mm. we've got Ator, number two. And Wasteland, number 53. Um, Were there no Transformers? There was Transformers Windblade. Oh. Sorry, Bob. Oh, which is actually um, a book that was like fan created a character, and I believe actually there's some really cool stuff about that. That the whole book was done by women. Oh, cool! Oh, oh nice. That's I, awesome. If I'm thinking correctly of the right book, but 
that actually might be something cool to check out. So for those of you who say we poo-poo on Transformers <laughs> all the time, Windblade. I think go. there's good things about that. All right. Um, from Valiant Entertainment, we have Exo Man of War number 24. From Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales presents Godstorm presents Hercules Pain number one. Um, <laughs> and it's just a very long title. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales presents Inferno Age of Darkness. And Grim Fairy Tales presents Neverland Age of Darkness. Oh, well, that's different. That's a lot of darkness. It's a lot of darkness. It's a lot of darkness going on in, in the uh, Zenoscope world. Um, I only counted 12 books this week not bad i'm sure i'll end up getting more well no this stuff from last week that i didn't get to read like ghost oh, rider that's and true iron fist that's true it's very very nightcrawler now you're up to 17 books before you even start yeah oh, it's it's always downhill up. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so that is what's on the shelves right now bob i know you wanted to say something right about a, a creator who passed oh yes fred keita who passed at age 94 the other day most famous for drawing hillman company's Air Fighters, which is Airboy and the original Valkyrie, who was a Nazi air ace who's converted to the good side of things. Mm. She became a, a great heroine all through the war. He worked through the Eisner Studios and Jerry Iger early on in the 40s and went to Atlas, which was Marvel, did Westerns, was working into the 70s at Marvel, inking Iron Man, Luke Cage, all sorts of things. Mm. Passed at age 94. We're not a bad run. No, not a bad run at all. Um, so to the family of Fred Keita, our condolences. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Can I just quickly also say, I did, it wasn't on the show last week, and I wanted to thank um, a couple people for coming by and saying hi at Emerald City Comic Con. Absolutely. Um, just like Anastasia, Joey, and Kenneth, you guys were awesome. And Darren came by and dropped off some comics for me to read, and I wasn't at the table because I was running around somewhere, but... Thank you guys so much. Like it means so much to us that you guys interact with us like this and come up to us at shows, and you know, like at New York as well when we had the meet and greet. Mm-hmm. It's great when we get to meet you and see that our talking isn't just going out into to the void. Yeah. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's so, awesome. We really do appreciate it and. Thank you for saying hi again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you were right, Stephanie, about the Transformers book. It is yes. fan-graded, and all women are, are working on the book. Um, so there. Is it a standalone? or things about it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a mini. <laughs> oh, it's a mini. It's a mini series, a one of four. But it's in the continuity, I think. Hmm. Um, cool. All right. But I believe it's an all-new character. Too. It is an all-new character. created by. It's a fan-built character. Yeah. Yeah. So That sounds really cool. Yeah. As penance, I may have to buy it for I know. All my mockery. For all your scoffs. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Bob's book of the week Maybe. next week. Nah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know. Yet, I know what next week's book of the week is going to be now, and I haven't even oh, read it yet. that's cheating. Mm-hmm. It's like it's rigged. <laughs> it is. It's rigged. All right. So if you want to get in touch uh, with us and tell us how rigged our system is, I am at <laughs> Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter. Stephanie. I'm at hello cookie. And Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. All right. So that is going to do it for this week's Talking Comics podcast. Thank you guys so much for writing in. Thank you for listening. We had our biggest week ever last week did we downloads wise so thank you guys so much um for all the feedback and and all the correspondence and we'll be back next week with another show so for steve thank you bob i have one quick shout out 
Okay, Bob, Bob, why did you tell me before I started the... I have her here. Just a thanks to Kelly Heron, <laughs> our book club contributor, who made me a... I think you officially described you as Amigurumis. It's a little, it's a little crocheted Captain Marvel. All right. So thank you, Kelly. <laughs> That's so cute. It is. It's very. It's There'll be a picture around. Steve. Yeah. Took I one. think I've seen a picture. I think she has it as like her profile photo on the yeah. forum. Yeah, she, she asked me to, to pick a character. I think I get one oh, at cool. some point. Awesome. Nice. All right. So let's do it again for Steve. Cha cha. <laughs> Good night. And Stephanie. Bye bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be. Continued. <laughs>